Now entering Nerdist.com. What's happening, weirdos? Uh, a, a few people comment from time to time, like Jack Johnson and whatnot, um, that these podcasts have a lot of "did we just become best friends?" moments, and uh, this episode is maybe the hardest core example of that. Uh, this is Mark Duplass. I am a huge fan of Mark Duplass from Puffy Chair all the way up to Togetherness and every movie and project and animals and everything in between. So it was a thrill to have him on and you're listening to us becoming friends, which is always so wonderful when that happens. Uh, so let's get to it. My Largo show's coming up uh, October 19th. That's this month. On the 19th, I'm going to be doing stand-up at Largo. On November 9th, I'm going to be workshopping my book about God live at Largo, talking to the audience, reading sections from the book. That one is going to be very exciting. I hope weirdos are there for both of those shows. Um, and there's going to be one December. It's either going to be 6, 7, or 8. I'm not positive. But uh, there's going to be one in December as well, if you're hearing this around that time, which is going to be stand-up. Largo-LA.com for tickets. This episode, this wonderful episode, is uh, brought to us by our wonderful friends at Squarespace. You guys know, if you need a website and you need it to be beautiful and you need easy-to-use templates created by world-class designers, Squarespace makes it easy to turn your ideas into a new and unique website in just a few clicks. Their analytics help you grow in real time, and if you have a question, you have 24-7 customer support there to help. So, if you need a free trial, if you're not convinced, get a free trial, squarespace.com, and use offer code WEIRD to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Whew, why am I winded? I also want to give a shout out to Pete's Picks. Use both my Pete's Picks today, uh, as I do most days, which is why they're called Pete's Picks. One is Alpha Brain. It is a nootropic. It is like fish food for your noggin. It's earth-grown ingredients. It's not a stimulant. It helps you with concentration, memory, focus. Anytime I do something creative that uses my brain, I am taking two or three Alpha Brain 15 minutes before, and I absolutely feel the difference. I love it. I always have a couple in my pocket. I always have a bottle in my car, in every backpack that I have. And every podcast, script, stand-up set that I have done for the past three years, I've taken Alpha Brains on it. If you want to try it, and I suggest that you do, go to onnit, O-N-N-I-T dot com slash weird, and you will get 10% off uh, your purchase. The other one that I use, I had a little crick in, well, it's not a crick if it's in your shoulder. I had a little pain in my shoulder, a little bit of a headache. I use Charlotte's Web Hemp Oil. This is made from the hemp plant, but they take out the THC part, so it is just the non-psychoactive CBD part of the plant, which gives me a happy, healthy, giggly, relaxed, low-anxiety glow that I have come to swear by. It's a wonderful uh, alternative to having a cocktail if I'm just trying to unwind at the end of the night. 
Um, but it doesn't fog you up or get you anything even really close to stoned, meaning you can read a book, you can watch a movie, you can hold a conversation, and it's legal in all 50 states. This is not a narcotic. This is the CBD part of the plant, which is very, very healthy. The Stanley Brothers did an episode where we discussed it at length. If you have more thoughts about CBD, or if you just want to dive in and try it, I like the mint chocolate flavor. I like Everyday Advance or Everyday Plus. Uh, and you can go to CW, like Charlotte's Web, cwhemp.com slash weird and use promo code KEEPITCRISPY for 10% off. Thanks again to Squarespace. Thank you for supporting a Squarespace. Remember, if you need to start your business, make it stand out a new business with Squarespace. Beautiful templates created by world-class designers. It is easy to turn your new idea into a unique and wonderful website. You can showcase your work, blog, or publish content, even sell products in a unique store and services of all kind, kinds in just a few clicks. Customize everything from the look and feel to settings and products. You can use their analytics to help you grow in real time, not to mention everything is optimized for mobile right out of the box. It means it's going to look good on a computer, it's going to look good on a phone. And with over 200 extensions to choose from, Squarespace offers a new way to buy domains. Best of all, there's nothing to install, patch, or upgrade ever. And even though it's super easy, if you do have a question, Squarespace's award-winning 24-7 customer support is always there to help. A dream is just a great idea that doesn't have a website yet, so make it a reality with Squarespace. If you need a uh, free trial, I highly recommend a free trial. Go to squarespace.com and use offer code WEIRD for 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com, offer code WEIRD. All right, guys, hope to see you at Largo in October or November. Try Pete's Pick. Uh, Enjoy Mark Duplass, and thank you, Squarespace. Get Valerie? (laughs) Get Valerie. To say, get into it. (laughs) Yes! Get into it. These guys are pretty tight, high and tight, so we should be good. <laughs> I used to be a musician, and I used to sing into one of these things. So. Oh, you used a wind guard, a, a blue wind guard? I was just watching the... Did you watch the Tony Robbins... We're recording, by the way, just so you're not caught off guard. Hey, we, Pete. <laughs> we just, we, I just want you to know. Some okay. people feel off-put by that. Um, I watched, did you watch I Am Not Your Guru, the Tony Robbins documentary? I did. And there was a guy... He, it, re- it reminded me very much of church. You know what I mean? Like it, I found it very odd. It's very. It is very odd. I had this erroneous perception of uh, Joe Berlinger as a guy who was going to dig deep and elucidate some of the inconsistencies and fallacies within. But I think Tony Robbins had final cut on it. Uh, clearly, <laughs> <laughs> clearly something was wrong because I kept watching him being like, "Wow, he's giving Tony all this validation." Th- 30 minutes in and he's still not showing that 45 minutes in he's still not showing uh, the crack 60 minutes in oh and this is just going to be a puff piece an enormous blowjob I actually Tony thought Robbins. you know it's funny that you say that because I watched it a second time it okay. actually it, it may, and the reason I brought it up was his staff mm-hmm. really it's a lot like my staff church. downstairs <laughs> yes, yeah. it reminds me a lot of the vibe of, yeah. of your work actually yeah. <laughs> no but uh, there was a guy they all felt like associate pastors he felt like a pastor and they all felt like associate pastors yeah. and one of those assistant guys or employees the wind guard matched his shirt I'm sure it was an accident but it didn't look like an accident <laughs> 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 you know what I mean? I was like, I wonder if he grabbed the red mic because oh. he was we- wearing a red shirt. That's pretty cool, man. But these wind guards are great. Um, they're not wind musicians. Don't use them though because they don't like 
they feel like it ruins like the sound quality. So you well, go to like a shitty rock club. It. So I um I got sick on every tour I ever went on. I would be sick within like the first five days. And I always get so fussy because I was the lead singer. And I was like, oh, I can't sing well. And people aren't going to like me and the whole thing. <laughs> all the things we feel. And, um, but for music. But for music, exactly. <laughs> like you, you had to tell as somebody. Is, as is applied to music. Yes. Um, and then, like, literally, like, on my fourth or fifth tour, I, like, saw, like, some, like, guy who was, like, 15 years older than me, like, step up to sing and, like, pull his own SM58 out of his pockets. Like microphone. And put it on there and then put his windscreen on top of it. And I was like, oh, I was, I was like, oh, I see what's happening. Wait, he brought his own mic and you have his your own, own mic and your own. You're, you're not only removing everyone else's germs, you're taking the microphone that only has your germs and protecting yourself from your own germs. Yeah, but that guy's and a uh, lame. <laughs> that, guy, that guy's a lame, but he never got sick. That man was Stevie Ray Vaughan. <laughs> like, how, how heartbroken exactly. would you be if Stevie Ray was like, so I'm going to tear down the house, but first, some yeah. safety. It's not very rock and roll. It would like, be the ultimate irony, too, because he really did die very soon, even though he was sick. <laughs> Stevie uh, Ray? Yeah. Well, I, you know, it's funny... Oh, obviously. Did Tom Petty pass yet? He did. Is he still? It's official. I didn't know if he was clinging. It very, happened very yesterday. Yeah, it was. It's it's official. I yes, heart. Oh, I wasn't trying to be funny. I was going to say it's a heartbreaker. It is a heartbreaker, but I didn't mean that as a joke. It's all right. Uh, but I then, mean, anything you say is going to contain one of his lyrics. <laughs> Because he wrote 26 incredible hit songs, so it is impossible not to pun. It's gonna happen. So let's just let it roll. But then I was thinking about the role in which uh, rock and roll and rock and roll's reputation with unsafety. Yeah. Uh, You know, like putting a mic guard is very prudent, but it's not very rock and roll. And then Tom TP and the HBs. I watched a video with Gary Shandling and Tom talking. It's it's on YouTube. Wow, worth From watching. What year? It was nine. It was in the nineties, I believe. Wow, and they had been friends for a while, oh, and they man. were doing what a it friendship. For, I, it, but like friends, like pre, yeah, hugeness for Gary at least, I guess. Yeah, and then uh, TP was uh, smoking the whole time, and I was kind of like, it's interesting because I feel like. You might be interested in this area. He's Tom Petty, and he's being Tom Petty. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And Tom Petty seems like he would, like, how much do we encourage that sort of behavior yeah. for him to smoke? Is it like when I found out that Tom Petty, when he did like a voice on King of the Hill, would like duck out to smoke, I'm kind of like rock and roll. Yeah. But at a certain point, Tom Petty dies, and you're like, shit. Shit, man. Maybe we should. Was I a part of the collective enabling of Tom <laughs> Petty? In some, in some strange way, is the question. Like a I, national and a global collective yeah. enabling of bad behavior. I listen. I get it. I um, <laughs> I don't know why I thought you would like that. But no, you know the, the totally roles that we yeah. play. I feel like your work explores who we are, who we think we are. Yeah, I was Tom having Petty. a real big Tom Petty run. Mm. I watched his big four-hour documentary on Netflix, if you haven't seen it. I did see it. The first two hours are amazing. The next two hours are a little bit... Um, well, the last two hours are just, I am not your guru. It's just, <laughs> it just like, it starts, doesn't really it matter. It rolls into yeah. Tony Robbins. Exactly. It's very but, weird. but the first two hours were, were great, and I was struck so much by his um, confident, straight, loving truthfulness with, with, with he approached people and everything mm. where i'm just such a i'm always like having conversations with two or three people that i like 
to figure out how best to maneuver a situation into my favor with some various and sundry form of a mistruth, basically. <laughs> you know, it's like always some, what should I say to get it to go this way and how like, do I do it to the, to, you Have know? you ever caught yourself saying you agree with something that you absolutely don't agree 100%. with just to kind of be 100% likable Either put it behind peaceable. me or to get some love or whatever it yes. is. And when he talks about when he discovered Howie, the bass player in his friend's band who he was producing and Tom Petty's friend starts to realize, oh, um... Tom is in love with my bass player, Howie, and, and Howie is the most important thing in my band, and I have to protect this. So Tom's friend comes to him and says, listen, man, please, like, you, take whatever you want. Don't take Howie. He's my whole band. Like, you can't do that to me. And the way Tom describes it, looking at his friend and saying, hey, man, listen, it, it's okay. Just relax. I'm going to steal Howie because I'm a more popular musician than you are, and he's going to want to come with me, and that's what he should do. But I still want to be your friend, and I hope we can get over it. And, yeah. And he's like, and he got over it, sort of. Yeah. And he was so at peace yeah. with the way that all played out, slightly dirty. But that's that outside perspective that artists can sometimes have, even sometimes. on their own lives. Not you and I. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds Never. like we're in situations where we're stuck in them. Yeah. But he and Gary, Gary. seemed to be guys that were like, yeah, and that was really unpleasant. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. they, can, they can just kind of be like, yeah. wow, I really kind of, The character of Tom really fucked over that guy that day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, the heartbreakers had to be. Had, had that right. sense of Had that sense of drive. He, he, he even has a moment in, um, in the big HBO documentary about, um, what's his name? Uh, the Beats guys. Um, uh, Jimmy Iovine. And oh, Dre, yeah, the Beats guys. You know, where he talks about how Jimmy Iovine wanted to become a producer, and there was, it was, uh, well, that one. was nothing he could do. He, yeah. was, he was drifting. His destiny was to become a producer right. away from the creativity. These guys know? seem like murder mystery novelists in that they're working from the ending. Somehow yeah. they already know the ending. They do. They're like, yeah. well, I had to become Dr. Dre. You know, yeah. like, <laughs> why did I do a Jimmy Iovine impression while being Dr. Dre? I don't know, but what, I don't know. what none of you who are listening to this got to experience is that weird... <laughs> swirling and finger point thing that you did at the same time which which there's only two of us here yeah and we got to we but got it to, happened me what and katie what is me your, and katie got to see it what see you're you're manipulating this situation yep. in, in a wonderful way because you're remembering katie's name and yep. you're being kind and friendly. i want to win <laughs> i want i want to win i want to be loved can i tell you i want to be adored you'll say how many people acknowledge and it's not that they need to but not a lot of people acknowledge you, right? It's not mean. Nobody gives but a shit about nice. Katie. It is nice to care. Yeah. And that puts you in a very rare percentile of our guests. Um, well done. Thanks, man. I, 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 I'll be honest with you. I really, you and I have met a couple of times at like parties and things. Briefly, yes. And um, I'm perfectly honest. I find. I find you to be very intelligent and insightful. <laughs> oh, good no. sense of humor. Why do I feel like something oh, no. horrible no, 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 is coming. No, no. Like, good sense something of humor bad is coming. Really well studied. You probably read way more books than I have. I'm That's like, I have a lot of interests in all of this stuff. But when both of you sit down right here in this stage of my life, I'd kind of rather have a conversation with Katie. <laughs> it's just what it is. I don't know what it is. Just... You know, it's fun. Not to reduce Katie to just a woman, but I was just saying today. That I love being directed. Let's get ourselves yeah. in trouble here, shall yeah. we? <laughs> Let's get, <laughs> no, no, no. It's, it's, pro, it's pro lady. It's pro lady. Good, I good. love performing, acting, writing with women. Yeah. And it's not just this, but there is an element of like, I'm still starstruck by every woman. I'm like, a woman? 
Like it's like it's a, it's a remnant of junior high. And is that your diagnosis of it? Is that kind of what you think it is? I do think I want to impress them. So yeah. what you're doing with Katie is kind of what I would do a little bit yeah. as well. Just because I'm like, ah, cool. I think I'm discovering something about myself right now because is that you? As too? you walk, well, you walked up the stairs mm. uh, at this like we've just grown our company a little bit. Mm. The the employees is. They're, a lot of ladies. they're all women and one Chinese man. That's what we, that's what we got. That's, one Chinese man by the bathroom. That's who we are. Not a good poop that, bathroom. Poop I boy. hope you have a better We're getting poop in trouble bathroom. everywhere. Um, and, uh, all ladies. No, he gets to Chinese talk on Sundays. Man. It's fine. Um, and and then like when I look at the, a lot of the movies I've made or that I built for myself to star in, which I I consider my more experiential movies, like. How do I want to have fun with my life? What do I want to have a good time doing? Yeah, there are movies like Your Sister's Sister, Me and Two Ladies, and yeah. the one I love with Elizabeth Moss. Yeah, and Blue Jay with Sarah Paulson. I make these little things with me and women for yeah. whatever reason. I, I I feel there. Let's just talk about feminine energy. It tends yeah. to be more open generally. Oh, it, not obviously not women, but. You have yeah. feminine energy. I have feminine. It's more open. It's more uh, womb-like and developing, yes, welcoming. Yes. Dicks are fucking and they're yeah. shoving. And hard rock is very like we're gonna fuck this crowd. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I, I enjoy the safe space, and I enjoy being a safe space yeah. for people. When when Van Halen played New Haven, they got up to the microphone. And they Van say, Haven, is this Van Haven? <laughs> That's what they say. And, like, women don't you, do that. Did you in the middle yes and me, or were you going to say that? No, that's real. That's what you were going to say? That's what they do. That's... Every time they show up, they go, is this Van Haven? I didn't mean to steal your punchline. No. I was just excited it's, at the it opportunity. Just shows our, it just shows our... our um... Our symmetry here, yes. I guess. Sim, sim, I have sim. a bunch of dude friends who are... Um, we're, like, we just call ourselves basically the estrogen club. We hang out a lot up here. Yep. And we we like smoke weed and we talk about our feelings and yep. and and that works pretty well. I've kind of found my way to some yes. guys. No, I, I'm into that. Yeah, I like talk in my family. I I went mom. Mm-hmm. You know, you could go mom or yeah. dad. I had very kind of traditional moms and dads. Okay, yeah. <laughs> one mom, one dad. But <laughs> How I mean, many like, did you have? <laughs> you know, just in mo- yeah. the categories, moms and dads. What was it for you? Did you go mom or did you go dad? It's a um, it's a variable thing in our family. It's the four of us: it's me and Jay, my parents. Yep. Um, no others. No others. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> As if and... you were going to leave them out. Exactly. No others. No others. All right, Karen. Well, I'm going to wait <laughs> till the end <laughs> and talk about <laughs> Karen. So it's the four of you. It's just the four of and us. Is Jay older or younger? Jay is four years older, uh-huh. um, but everybody thinks I'm older. Well, he's got young face. He's got young face. He's got probably young energy. He I'm also energy. much more forward in my energy. Have, have people said you're like an old soul? Have you ever? It's been not accused? that. I have gotten a little bit of that, but it's mostly just like honestly, just a little more type A energy. Like uh-huh. you come to a party, you meet me That's and Jay. So fun. I'm a step up front, yeah. and so everybody's like, "Oh, he must be the older one," uh, you know. And there's a and there really there's an interesting dynamic that goes like a long way back with me and Jay, which was like he was my fearless leader mm. until we were 18 and 14 and i would just i just like 
worshipped him and would follow him around and do everything. I just watched the Avid Brothers documentary. They have four years between them as well. And it was 14, Am I going to cry if I watch this? Yes, the whole time. I'm not going to, yeah. Because I don't know if I can handle that. The whole time. Um, And you'll write music the rest of the night. You'll just go like, I don't know what else there is to do. Why aren't we just playing? Why aren't we playing music? Why aren't we just playing our hearts right now? It's the best. And I'll be like, oh, because I used to get sick in those microphones. But They sang into non-Wingarded nights. (laughs) But it was 14 and 18. Well, well, that's They weren't friends and then 1418 was when it was just enough. Yeah. So what happened, I was a little different in that Jay was... I think I have that right. And I'm not really coloring this. This is really true. Mm. The ultimate big brother. I mean, Mm. he never, ever left me out of anything. Really? Included me with all of his friends. Before you were 1418? The whole way through. This is the dream. The whole way. You know when your brother has a friend over and you just want to hang out with him? He would let you? A couple of moments in puberty where he was like off and he like... Yeah, didn't do it perfectly. I but just came. Basically, <laughs> he was... He was acting weird because he just came. Because he just came <laughs> three times in a row. Um, we slept in the same bed until we were, you know, fift- he was like 15 and I was 11 because really? I was scared of the dark. And we would make music and make movies together. Shut and it was up. incredible. And I think part of it is mm. that um, he was always like, like you said, young face, maybe young spirit, yeah. like playing a, a year down, and yeah. I was playing like a year up as like a forward, more so confident like, person. Yeah, mm-hmm. So the gap was more like two. Mm-hmm. Um, and but I accepted him, and I never, I never um, tried to debunk his authority. I never had any of that. Like I gotta, I gotta, I gotta destroy my god here because and make my way because this is just my this god in the way. Yeah, and then Jay went to college, um, and he was like. Five foot seven and 110 pounds. He went to the University of Texas, and like everybody was bigger than him, and everybody was just more life downstream than him, and he just got destroyed and mm. could not deal. And um, I didn't understand that at 14 because I was like doing my own puberty thing, but something inside of me was like, okay, I think I have to take the baton at this point. So I started basically. Going to visit him as much. They had these cheap Southwest flights, you and I would go up big to him. Brother? And I, I'll be like, "We're going to go to this cake party." And he was like, "All the girls are like ten feet taller than me." And I, you know, I was like, "We're going to the cake party," and like we would show up, and we started developing this little act where we'd like do cake stands together, and and. Oh yeah. well, I grew up in New Orleans too because that was you're you're yeah. you're way downstream yeah. there. So like, <laughs> you know, by the time I was honestly fourteen, we had you know. Really, weed like, and acid and all no, the boot, the well, whole thing. Let's, you know? let's stay on Jay, and I'll make. Yeah, that. yeah we'll get back there. Down, yeah. Um, so that wasn't like so you, new. Did he know it? it wasn't corny? Like that, the brother, the little brother, was there. I can't explain it other than I don't think it's corny. I just think that people in college might because they're so. Fragile. I looked a little older. Yeah. Um. So they, they, you know, didn't feel that weird, and people were just kind of. Um, taken by it or something and charmed and they were charmed by it you know and there was always a sweetness around it and there was always a sense always growing up of like you you, you guys have to meet the boys like everybody called us the boys Get you know? out. it was like oh you have to see them like when they're together and they do this thing it's like you know, what was the routine like all kinds of things whether we were like doing <laughs> skits for our family we made like a movie that like parodied everyone in our family when we were young then no. when we were 13 how did you make that movie VHS yeah VHS like a VHS camcorder VHSC yeah and not edited edited in camera deck to deck 
Yeah, you deck to deck edited. Yeah, deck to deck edited. Who taught you this? Camera into the VHS player. We just figured it out. No, we also this is this is amazing. We also we also live scored (laughs) while I was going deck to deck. We would erase one of the audio tracks and do live music scoring. How do how do you Um, erase an audio track on a? You just you don't pull like as the uh, RCA cable goes left and right. Uh huh. Take the oh. left RCA cable in, and the right RCA cable oh. is coming out of your music device, mono, putting it on there at the same time. Like, these kids now who like have iMovie, I mean, fuck those kids. Yeah, I know. They're not going to be able to do anything because they have yeah. nothing in their way. But you had to walk through the fire, so you wanted it I had to walk through the fire. More. I wanted it and then so bad. that probably showed We'll have to talk about videos. that at some point because I have kids who are five and nine, and I'm trying to create the fire for them right now. All right, this walk is through not fire. Easy. I just wrote down vice and walk through fire. Yes, fire walk with me. But this is very heartwarming to and, me. And and it was all and it was lovely. I mean, like, so you were playing music as well. We're playing music. Who gave? What kind of parents are we dealing with that? Surprisingly, that they understood the value of art and creativity and boredom. I'm sure we could talk about boredom. We, you guys, we were, we were we were we were not to be stopped. They were not cultivating. They were not saying it wasn't. Would you, would you like to play drums? Would you like to play guitar? We were just we're doing this. You were the weird neighborhood boys that were like, I yes. found a ukulele. hundred percent, And we like begged for two years to give us a set of drums, and then finally it was like our collective. Christmas and birthday present. And you had was never the played drum drums. Never played and you just drums. Were like, I want to do that. You we saw want to do it. We liked music. We felt it. I don't know where it came from. It was just a. It was just there. And that was like your little conspiracy. And that was our thing. You're in the bed at night. You got it. Talking. Mm-hmm. This is like the most writing not movie ideas. The most romantic. You know what I mean? It was. It was. It was beautiful. It's, I mean, honestly, it, is beautiful. <laughs> it was. It was. You know, probably the happiest I've ever been. Yeah. Uh, are the times when we were intrinsically creatively linked which were like some of that in our youth some of that really special stuff when Jay was having his breakdown in his freshman year of college Mm. and I was able to feel important and helpful for the first time Um, and since then to make a long story short I really have been more in the older brother role Um, right that was the flip and it's just this feeling that I have which is I mean it sounds hyperbolic but it's really true for me it's like he can do anything he wants to me now. It doesn't matter because he laid 14 years of golden track for me. And he was like there's so, no betrayal that would there's take nothing, that away. There's nothing he can do now. That's amazing. You know? and, so, and there sometimes people will even see a this certain is, thing. This is reminding me of that scene in Togetherness where you and your friend dig up the box. Yeah. And I wept. Yeah. Which is something we can also talk about. The, the, heart, the mix of heart was always so... Right on the money for me. Oh, thanks, man. But That's that really moment nice. where yeah. you guys found the box, that must have been inspired by you and Jay, male, right? Male intimacy is like one of my central preoccupations as much as we did talk about how much I like um, making right. art with women. But the, the male intimacy thing is like something I stumbled upon later as an artist where I was like, all the stuff I'm seeing is like, uh, really, really funny and acerbic, and they tend to make fun of each other, like we did on the league, right. which was like I didn't really understand that. I All always breaking. felt, I honestly always felt out of place on that show. Right, I was like, this isn't funny to me. This is just mean. To be honest, the whole cast seemed confusing to me. Like Kroll isn't like yeah. that. Sheer is yeah. is really people not loved like it. That. No, I know, but and maybe that helped that at the core we were kind of nice people. Right. So maybe that helped rub some of that edge. Right, it was like felt or something. It's like Danny McBride in real life is hundred percent. Yeah, and that's why it can be sold because you feel it. From right, the spirit. Yes. Um, you don't want that like glint of like. Yeah. Oh, he really is a. Oh, cock. he really is that. Way. <laughs> He's a yeah. cock. He's a sweetheart. Um, 
but um, male intimacy but and, male and the intimacy. scene where you dig up the scripts that you wrote as yeah. kids in, in the show is based. It not I'm not trying to tie it to that, but it reminds me. No, of, it's very it's very much that. I mean, I'm a nostalgic person in general, so anytime anything nostalgic but the happens, the whole Dune thing. I mean, I feel that. I feel yeah, guys, I mean that's just a link to like the days when my brother and I would just like. Like, I spent a summer with him in Austin when I was 15 and he was 19. And we stayed behind in his apartment. And we just made bad little movies and, and made bad music and watched movies and went to see bad plays. And, <laughs> and it was just, like, I got to be – it should be very clear that, like, I have – I really – I'm saying all these things that sound so black and white and hyperbolic, but they're true. Like, yes. I have the best marriage. I have the mm. best kids. Mm. I have the best life. Mm. I will never be happier than that summer in Austin I spent with my brother oh my when God. I was 15 years old wow. and had nothing and nothing good was going on. Nothing good. Yeah. You know, my bag of my bucket was so empty then empirically. Well, it's so full now. I was going to ask, how do we maintain that purity when we're kids and we're making things to make things? Yeah. As we were in the second season of, of my show. I I noticed that you had to be deliberate to remember yeah. this is play. This yeah. is magic. Like sometimes I'd imagine myself telling nine year old yeah. Doey me what I do. Yeah. And I tried to vampire some of his excitement. Yeah. Do you ever I I'm sure you I think do. about it all the time. I'm obsessed with it. That, that idea. I think you know, i I turned forty last year and I realized that like if I shut the whole thing down right now and just retired and and it's like kids are in public school and I live in a three-bedroom, two-bath house and we drive Hyundais. I never have to work again for the rest of my life. Mm. If I do that and live off of like 40 grand a year, I, I'm good. <laughs> so then that changed everything for me. So I was like, fuck. Okay, so what's it all about? And like it's got to be about joy then. It's got to be about you yeah. know what is this bringing to my life? How is this juicing me up? So you, know? you, want it, you made a decision to be like I don't have to – I don't have a master. I didn't make the decision. I just was aware yeah. of it. But that you was know? liberating. And yes, and it was it was confusing <laughs> and exciting, but it, it's made me start to think about art the way you talked about, you know, trying to connect to your 9-year-old self. Mm. And a lot of what I'm doing is that. And my my like early analyses are that form is very important. Mm. At the form of your HBO show and the form of togetherness because they're machines that require rhythms and people to get into roles to learn them and to continue to do them well in a certain way mm. just inherently uh, means that you're going to get into a, a rut that is not moment by moment inspired like children are mm. um, because it, it's a machine and it, and it has to be built that way. Right. And it's very, it very consistent. hard. Now, Room 104 yes. is a perfect form for Love that because, because you can do short stories. every night is some ridiculous ridiculous idea that i fart up in my sleep right and if eight out of 12 of the episodes are good and four are interesting failures i'm winning mm. and that frees me up to just like swing wildly like you do when we're nine mm. you know this podcast i imagine the reason you're still doing this i'm projecting but there's an electricity you can't possibly know what's going to happen in our conversation it's exciting right, right. we're going to flow completely nothing bad can happen right i mean as long as katie keeps her mouth shut <laughs> and doesn't try to, doesn't try to no i do get buck that. people in go like oh thanks for continuing to do the podcast and i'm like this is as close to a sleepover as i can get 100 percent 100 percent 100%. And Jay and I sit up in this little room and we talk about our lives now and we talk about what are the what are the best ways for us to return to 
that what are the form. techniques? What are the what are the we strategies? are struggling, you know, to be perfectly honest with you, you know. You um, mean right now or always? Right now we are yeah. and we have in our adult lives and I mean, you know, we just wrote a book about it basically. That's what really? that's how kind of big it is at least for us. About um, maintaining childlike about maintaining enthusiasm. um our connection, about main, about what is the best form of our creative collaboration both from a product standpoint and what is made from a process standpoint to enjoy each other to stay close versus mm. fuck i want to go off and make my solo record man and you know right. those all those feelings you have when you're in a deep collaboration with someone and in particular for us how extremely difficult and we're just realizing it now it was for us to um be each other's everything for a long time and then get married and develop our own lives and allow that individuality to happen mm. and still remain like three quarters soulmates. Right. What is that like? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That requires crafting and work. And right. that's what we work on. Right. Because it's interesting when, when Jay went on uh, Transparent. Obviously, I love Transparent. And yeah. I loved, and I love Jay on Transparent. Yeah. There has to be something where you're like, but that's not, you guys aren't producers, right? 100%. He's an actor on a show. Yep. And now it's like you went to different high schools. (laughs) 100%. 100%. And I mean, we're not strangers to that because I had sort of done that with like the league and a couple of other things, you know. Um, And so that's what these conversations are are like. You know, what you just made me think of was. A friend of mine, my kind of soulmate growing up, uh-huh. he was actually on the podcast, Earn, uh, Big Earn. What does Earn do now? Earn is, uh, he works in Alzheimer's research in, outside of Cleveland. He does good stuff. He does, he does good stuff. Yes, he does. And I remember Earn, and he got his license a little bit before me, <laughs> and he was driving, and I remember one day I said to him, I was like, uh, this is so cool, you're driving. Like, he came and yeah. picked me up. And you know when I, I don't begrudge him when kids try and be more grown up than they are. He said, "Honestly, the thrill is gone for me. It's just I just get in the car and I drive." He, wow! And I was like, in that moment, I swear I, I maybe didn't articulate it in my brain this way, but I was like, I never want to get used to driving. Yeah, and I still try. Like when I get in my car, I still will be like, I am in charge yeah. of this vehicle and no one can tell me where to go and all that stuff but it's hard to yeah the, the lure like we're saying cigarettes for tom petty being responsible and letting the thrill out of things is to being a grown-up it is extremely difficult i look at tony hawk sometimes and i see what he is able to do at <laughs> 50 years old on a skateboard yeah and there's an energy about him that may have always just been free-spirited in that way you know but i can't help but think that guy stayed close to his board. That was a really, really smart move. That's a great slow. He stay stay close to the board is the advice. Stay close to the board. Well, this is why you know you have guitars, and I keep guitars out. Yeah. Music is that good way. 100%. You literally you play the piano. I think that verb is yes. appropriate. Yes, it is appropriate. You play yeah. like last night. I came home, got a little toasted, and just played silly songs on the piano. And I, I was so proud of yeah. us. That we went and bought a piano. I know that's weird to it's, say. No, no. I was like, it's tremendous. I'm proud that we bought this piano. Yeah. I grew up in a house with piano. We, you don't play it. It's too, too yeah, loud. Yeah. <laughs> decorative pianos. It's annoying. Decorative pianos. Fuck yeah. that shit. I, um, one of my sensitive friends is this guy, Julian Wass, who does all my mu- music scores for all of my movies. And our kids go to school together. And there's a camping trip every year. 
the whole class goes up to El Capitan up in Santa Barbara and we and we rent cabins and camp and there's a tradition that's developed where there's like a big sing along band mm. and it's like my one night a year to like play live music again and mm. me and Julie and a couple of the other parents like have formed this band and like our our goal is to like show kids some of the great music they don't know about mm. yet you know? so like we put together this like 10 song set list which this year included uh Africa by Toto on acoustic <laughs> guitar um and and man the purity of the playing of that stuff which yeah. could possibly have no other reason but to enjoy it right but that's know? tony it's that that uh, epiphany yeah. that nobody's stopping you from skateboarding yeah there really is like a like you were saying about tom petty the yeah. collective unconscious agreement yeah. that we're making that goes at a certain age like I played with action figures until I was eighteen, you did. and I Good only for you, stopped yeah. because people made fun of me. Yeah. I used to—I didn't have a brother like Jay. I love my brother, but I didn't have a, a collaborator like that. So I remember playing with action figures and going, "God damn it! I think this plot is amazing." Yeah, like surprising yourself, like, and then Duke came back, <laughs> like some like yeah. resurrection plot, and and, and uh, maintaining that is I'm yeah. just I'm just agreeing with what you're saying. It's it, but it it is hard to hang on to. You're playing those songs, and and is that where the juice is? Like, because you're in the joy. We're, we're similar ages. Yeah, and we're both going okay. We've had some success, mm-hmm. and now we're trying to go. What we should have been asking all along, which is like, what is, what is it really about? Where is the juice? Yeah. So playing music, playing music is a big not part being of that. embarrassed, being very smart about or trying to be smart about the forms that I approach with filmmaking and TV now, so that I am set to win. You know, I look at again togetherness, which was a really great show I don't a lot know of my heart and soul of it love it. I've seen every episode Thank multiple you. times You're, Valerie is obsessed with it like she's not over there though. no okay, no but she, this is Easter yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you're very point conscious yes <laughs> but um, it's such a good show thank it's you funny wonderful we looked for it we we looked forward it was it was week. that I spent a lot of soul points making that show that show was hard to make I got a lot out of it but I feel like I spent more than I got uh, in the uh, ratio. I don't know if, you, if that connects with you in any way of like sure. what was required to make it and get out of me in terms of what I got Were back. Were you waiting for some comment on like, wow, you really like put your soul like. Uh, no, I didn't need I, fun. Oddly enough, I didn't need the validation in that one small element uh-huh. of my life. I what felt was very good. Um, it wasn't that anything was missing. I honestly just feel like. I, I I have this term soul points that I use, which is just like you only have so many of these. Try and hang on to them. Don't give out too many of them unless they're being replenished by it. Mm. So I was giving sixty soul points per season. I was only getting forty back. And room one hundred four, <laughs> oddly enough, I'm only giving ten. Game changer. That's a I'm, game changer. But I'm getting thirty. I'm getting less back for room one hundred four empirically than I got yes on togetherness. But my ratio is way way up. You're spending less. Uh, yes, because you did. Fi- I'm love- in soul profit. Yeah, <laughs> you have a silo for your extra soul yes. now. And but that I is know what you critical mean. for me, man. When I get home at five o'clock and my kids are there. And if I don't have the soul points, man, I'm just like, fuck, what it's am like, I doing? I was just saying, I was hanging with my friend uh, Rob Bell, who's an author and a spiritual teacher guy who's amazing. I want one and, of those friends. That sounds pretty great. great. friend. You would love him. 
just by talking, yeah. you would love him. And I'm, I, I think I, I, you'd love a book of his called How to Be Here. It's about what we're talking about. And I I'll would, cry reading that whole book. Uh, and I'll be convinced that I'm going to change my life. And I will for 48 hours. It doesn't hours. sound like you need to change your life. You're in the struggle, too. That's, I think yeah. that's lovely. Yeah. But I was like, when I was in New York making the second season, my soul points were like dangerously low. Mm. And then I got back to, New, uh, to L.A. And I was like, what is it? I was like, is it the weather? There is yeah. some element of I can sit on the porch with my dog. Soul points are climbing. Up, up, up. I have up. my piano. I'm banging on the piano. Isn't that wild? Uh, and then you, you also just like the free space. Like I'm not thinking fucking constantly. Yeah. Constantly yep. thinking. So you actually had some time to be bored and relaxed. And then I had those friends and those relationships that feed me. Yes. And so I know exactly what you're talking about. Soul yeah. points is a game changer for me. But you're finding coming home at five and your kids are there, that's giving you soul points. Soul point recipe for me right now, <laughs> as best defined here in 2017, is um, like up at six, 630 or 7. Um, up early is part of it. Uh, well, I'm just up because that's because the kids. when the kids get up yeah. and I'm in bed by 1030, kind yeah. of managing that. Um, well, it's, I, I didn't mean to project myself onto you, yeah. but I was like, I've been getting up early and going to bed earlier. What are we, Ben Franklin? Yeah. But it, <laughs> but it does. It Shit contributes. Works. To, it works. If I do stand up, I go, I've just become this guy where I'm like, do you have, do you have an eight o'clock show and can I go on first? Because I need to start winding down. It's not just the set. It's coming home and letting the Everything. adrenaline burn off yeah. so I can go to bed. We're old men. We're old men. It's it doesn't okay. matter. I've been it, this way since my whole life. It's, I'm, bet, I'm happier and have always been happier on that schedule. Er, up early and yeah. you're tired by 10, 10, 30. Oh, I go love to it. bed. I love it. Oh, oh, I love I, it. I don't need to watch another so episode much to talk of Will about. I have another New Orleans drinking thing to tell you about that relates it. to that as well. But. But anyway, we're talking about your recipe for joy. So you're up yeah, at recipe, 6.37. Soul point recipe up 6.30 <laughs> or 7. Um, you know, it's um, breakfast with the kids, some fun farting around. Yes. Like, just like they're really fun in the morning. They're kind of like goofy and loopy. Yes. Enjoying that. Um, <laughs> get them to school by 9. Then a work day that is the best day for me is from 9 to 4. Mm. And, and kind of ruthlessly efficient work day. Like really the last person on a phone call when it's a group conference call the first person off of it you know i kind of I move quickly you protecting know yourself. Like, i protect myself protecting you know? yourself yes. you said it early setting up to win setting it up to win I'm, and then at four <laughs> i've been the first person on a conference call so many times i don't times. do that anymore i'm done with that i'm the last person on the conference call see you're just a little bit older yeah, than me yeah, I got that's to, what i have to I learn 18 months on you're here, just yeah. ahead of me you're um, visiting me at the university of texas totally. right now yes, exactly <laughs> And then I try to get home by four and then um, like do a very quick 20-minute elliptical machine workout. I have the gym at home. Yep. I have, I have an infrared sauna at home now. Can I stop you? Yeah. Shut the fuck up. It's I not do bad. too. You do? I'm telling you, our joy. Are we, are we purging, <laughs> we are we purging toxins on a cellular level? <laughs> Is this what's happening? <laughs> I infrared sauna every morning. Oh, it's the Best. I get up early and I have that time to write, just to work, Beautiful. just me, just sleep over with me. Yeah, sleep over with you. Bored. I consider just being up the success. Yeah. You know what I mean? If I don't get That's shit the win. done, yeah. I go, I've already won. Yeah, oh, I go, if I can, that is healthy. If I can get to the chair where I sit when I write, yeah. I won. 
Everything else is bonus. And then I get in that fucking sauna and I sweat. What it, clear light? Who makes it? I don't know. It doesn't. Some matter. Norwegian company, and I love them. I because I love Norway. Well, we'll talk about that later. Love too. it. I, I've never met someone else that has an infrared sauna. <laughs> yeah. So what I, I I'm I'm uh I'm going deep on it now because I used to be an athlete and endorphin Russians were I'm not like I wasn't a major athlete. I ran in high school. I was fine. But I understand. endorphins were that counts a major part of my happiness. Um, and I realize I've gotten older. I'm missing that, and, this is, this I'm, and it's a problem. We're just so. Too- Men figuring out but, the same shit, but like I'm it's not, not. I'm not in shape enough to to exercise to the point where the big sweat happens and the big endorphin rush comes. So I get myself fifty percent of the way there on the Olympi. with my on the lippy, yeah, with my current bod yep. as it can handle, and right. then and then I go finish myself off in the infrared sauna. And you're warming with the sweat the sauna already up while you're It's on the warming lippy. up while it's happening. There's another element too, though. I want to talk about it. There's a techniques. there's a hot tub heating up, and I leave the pool cold so then when i'm done i do cold and hot plunges back and forth and i don't know what it is but that cold hot water thing oh it, it's like weed for me i mean it really takes the Daddy, edge off everything. if i come home tonight and get in the sauna sometimes i'll call val on the way home yeah turn the sauna on yeah i do that too please turn it's this really on. annoying request I nobody know. likes it but. get in there sweat for an hour i i like I, 45 minutes an hour yeah cold shower i don't have a, a plunge thing but i'll just yeah. take a cold shower I will get out and I will be who I've always wanted to be. A new with man. Valerie. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like leaving the work at, at, it? At, on the floor and I'm fucking silly. It's like you said weed. It's yeah. like being stoned. It is. I'm just like the silliest boy. Yeah. And it's all physiological. I'm just getting. This is. We shit on Tony. Well, mildly shit on Tony Robbins at the beginning. Yes. He's all about the hot to cold. He goes, if I. No, I go, saw him jump in stressed, that thing. That was extreme when he jumps yes. in that little cold water tomb. 59 tomb. 59 <laughs> degree tomb. <laughs> Jesus. And I, I said to Val, I was like, we're going to get a plunge pool. And then she was like, what if I just hose you off? And yeah. I was like, you're the right woman for I me. Was not al- <laughs> I was not allowed to get a plunge pool because of how fucking dorky it is. It's that, dorky. I'm not allowed. But, but in the winter, they allow me to not heat. Uh, to not heat the pool so it can stay cold and approximate a plunge pool uh, form. So I get that. But <laughs> I it, yeah. can't believe we're doing the same yeah. thing. Fucking keep going. Joy, soul, soul. You know. I mean, you've given enough, but it sounds like maybe there's more. But no, but that's – that. So and then here's another key ingredient. Dinner – family dinner happens no dinner. later than 530. Usually at 5. <laughs> 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 so dinner is dinner. We all sit down, and dinner is behind us. And of course, this goes out the window when I have to like five. When I have to be on set as an actor, yeah, that goes out the window. But I'm doing less of that because that twelve and thirteen hour days are fucking inhumane. Yeah, I, I don't know. like doing those anymore. See that? See nobody. One of the things I found isolating about it too was that nobody wants to hear it. Yeah, I have to imagine of on course. togetherness it's the same thing. You're like, oh man, these twelve hour days. Yeah, yeah. Oh, twelve hours of living tough. your dream must yeah, yeah, be your really, dream really tough. Yeah, and you're like, you don't, you don't understand soul points. It can be tough, but I'm on the losing end of my soul points that's ratio. A, that's, that's that's a way of articulating and it that you, helps. Yeah, I mean, it, it helps me. So you have an early din, early early din. Tell me why? Because um, you just want to. I I sleep better when the food is further from uh, sleep. Yep. just in general, um, and. There's something about once dinner is behind me, then the day as I know it is over, and this is all <laughs> overtime. Basically, you know what I mean. It's and, and stolen I, time. And I behave differently in overtime. And in our house, overtime is like making up weird songs with my kids on the piano. We are huge into Wheel of Fortune right now. 
the whole family. We, we, <laughs> I'm teaching my kids how to play pool. We I walked play cards. into the Wheel of Fortune set once. That wheel is the size of that fan. It is so small. No, it's a tiny it'll, wheel. It'll break your heart. Wow. It's so small. It looks, it looks like a large game of uh, life. You know what? I think, <laughs> I think I love it so much that anything that's a surprise would be good to me and yes. interesting. I think Why I, do you love Wheel of Fortune? I watched it when I was growing up. I felt like um, I was too young to watch it. And so by the time I showed up to kindergarten, my reading and spelling skills were through the fucking roof. Really? And I was ahead, and I stayed ahead the whole way, and I attribute it to the fucking Wheel of Fortune. I swear to God. <laughs> we watched it every night, and I was there, and they were all spelling things. I didn't know what was going on, but I was watching, and I was just like picking up Mythical, on it and seeing words hero, and pulling it. Achilles. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and I was just... And I was ahead, and I got ahead, and I stayed ahead. You stayed like, ahead because of Pat Yes. He was younger than I am now back then. I, I remember thinking nostalgic. I was supposed to be attracted to Vanna White, and I wasn't. I, I wasn't yeah. attracted to Pat. I was. I just didn't. I didn't get it. Yeah. She looked too. Were your friends into her as well? I just think we all thought we were supposed to. I yeah. think we just acted that way. Like, whoa, what a babe. Yeah. She's like a a babe for my dad. I feel like these are such funny years. You have to when be looking like back, trying on to Vanna. figure out like what are you supposed to like, and your friends like certain things. And oh, totally, such a strange. I think the whole thing, thing. it's like faking it till you make it. You're like the first time you see a vagina, and you're like, yeah, yeah, you know, it's scary. <laughs> exactly. There's a part of you that's like, I didn't know that's what all the buzz was yeah. about. I was like a skater punk kid, and like when I was like 12 or something, and I remember we would watch Saturday Night Live religiously, mm. fun, great. And um, Seventh Day Advent religiously because it was on Saturday. Yes, there you go. <laughs> um, I don't know what um, I don't know what it was. We thought there was going to be like one of our fun metal bands. We were like metalheads too, and and Tracy Chapman was the musical guest, uh-huh. and it was like when she showed up. I believe without shoes and played fast car for the first time. Yeah. And like my friends were just like, fucking stupid, man. And I was like, yeah, this is dumb. And like I went in the bathroom and cried for like 30 minutes, not only because of the song, but because of the realization that like I'm living a false life. Mm. And these friends that I call my friends are like, Oh, I couldn't articulate it, but I was just feeling like right. I'm different than these people. Right. And something's wrong here. A lane change moment. Yeah, it was a lane change moment <laughs> You're for sure. Just like, oh shit. And you know, Tracy Chapman or Vanna White, that happened to us all. Yeah. Two different ladies. Yeah. Two different ladies. Two different styles. So the early dinner and then the silly the time. The early dinner and then that silly time and then bedtime's real early. Like my nine year old's gonna figure out at a certain point, like I don't think my friends are going to bed at 7.30. But, like, she is a happy kid because she sleeps 12 hours a night, and I think it's really Yeah. And this I slept so much as a kid. When I was at her age, I went to bed at 7.30, too. And you and Jay were in bed. I was just also alone in bed, just kind of going, like, a movie where a guy... You know what I mean? So good for you, though, man. Right? That's so good for you. It's what's missing. Yeah. Now we really are old men, but it's like that. there isn't enough boredom time. And they have the science. They need it. What's really interesting, too, is that my kid, my daughters are nine and five. They're four years apart, just like me and Jay. They sleep in the same bed. Mm. Um, (laughs) They go to sleep at the same time together, and they have their little time in bed. and, And I'm probably subconsciously trying to create some sort of... Bond like your yeah, brother. some sort of experience. Yeah, and my older daughter is really good to my younger daughter. But you don't, too. you didn't like bond, Jay, and you didn't bond because of tumultuousness. Mm-hmm. 
really easy, easy upbringing. Uh, my dad was a civil trial attorney, moderately successful, then like got pretty successful, like came home with like a used 911 Porsche one day and we're like, is this who we are now? What's happening? And he's like, we're going to go to Hawaii this year. And it was like, instead of like driving to Florida three hours, which is what we always did. You know? Wow. So never really felt like insecure financially or any of that stuff. My mom. Mom and dad got along? Stayed at home um, and took care of us. Uh, she was like a school teacher and then kind of, you know, Southern woman stayed home and took care of her kids. And <laughs> they were, I mean, we're very close with them now and we were close with them then. I can't overly compliment them in truth and say like, boy, they really like curated our childhood and knew like just where to put us like we were kind of like left to be you know i mean i guess it's not a unique story for kids growing up in the 80s you know there is a lot of leaving to be yeah we were in a safe suburb uh called metairie right outside of new orleans and so you know we're gone all day they had no idea what was happening but that does bring us to the to the booze young because there is i I have to admit i got that to a certain you're so creative you and your brother are both so creative and intelligent I I seem to have bought into an idea. I didn't smoke pot, for example, until I was 28. Yeah. And I've always been, and I've talked to other people that were like, I'm also grateful that drugs and alcohol didn't come until later. Yeah. And then there's the science of like, I think it's 18, 19, your brain is fully formed, which is kind of like where we get these ideas. But, you know, I'm excited that you are not another example of that rule that you are saying... We went wild. We did keg stands. We when went did wild. you do LSD? We did keg, keg stands. We did LSD. Jay didn't do as much LSD I did. We did shrooms. We did pot. Um, starting at 14? Starting at 13, 14 for me. 13. I was a little ahead. What was the first experience, the first vice? Um, we would steal like whiskey out of my dad's bar. He was never. He didn't really drink a lot, and <laughs> and our grandfather was an alcoholic, so my dad kind of stayed away from it a little bit. Had the, like the fear: Am I going to go there? We yeah. didn't have that. We were protected, so I was able to fully do it uh, without repercussion in my brain. Right. Um, and then so like you know fifth grade sleepovers, we'd like sneak some, and, and but then <laughs> you start high school in eighth grade. In, You're just a drunk child. Yeah, drunk child. No one was like, Jay and Mark just came yeah. into the kitchen, ate three slices of bologna and a finger of peanut butter. Hours. This is like after they're asleep. But yes, that would have been great. Um, and then like you actively going out with your friends at like 13 because you start high school in eighth grade in New Orleans. Um, and so you're with the high school kids and, and it's easy to get beer. They have a five-year high school? Yeah, five year high school. You're really? a, you're a pre freshman. What's the idea grade. there? I don't understand. I don't know. <laughs> Just New Orleans being like, uh, I don't know. Just get them out. Maybe there was like a gap in what the middle schools would offer or something. Okay, or, uh, it's probably some reason that I don't fully understand. I yeah. went to Catholic schools. Yeah. Um, and um, and I think there's a sense among the parents there <laughs> that like if these kids are at a party at one of our one of their friends' houses and they've gotten beer and are drinking that at the party best case scenario for what could possibly be happening to them in new orleans you know so it's kind of i don't say it's encouraged but they're like this is they knew the deal yeah they were in a wild town yeah let's say it's on fire at least they're having a campfire you got it they're not on fire they're at a campfire they're at a campfire (laughs) well well said well said so let's keep them away from bourbon street you know (laughs) do the whole thing and 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 so yeah so what that did do for me which was interesting and i didn't realize it until later was like by the time i was 16 i was like 
a casual drinker and was very in control of alcohol and and was like, okay, well, I'm ready to start my career now. You know, and when I, I remember when I got to college, I went to the University of Texas, followed Jay there when I was 18, and everybody was well, like, you knew everybody. Letting loose. You're, I knew you're everybody, yeah. Friends. Everybody's letting loose and going crazy, and I was just like, I did that five years ago. Like, I had other friends like that. I'm it was out, out here. Of your we system. go. I'm ready. Oh, I'm you're ready. ready. Start, no, ready to start my career. That's what it was. Oh, I thought you were like, I'm going to get fucked up. I had no. other friends that drank earlier, and almost in that European way, that was they me. got to college and they were like, oh, it's the Steve Martin line. I remember my first beer. Yeah, you know what I mean. You're That's just it. like you amateurs. Yeah, there was, I wasn't like a cocky about it, but I and I could enjoy it, but I was definitely. <clears throat> By the time I was honestly really 16, I was getting very serious about playing music shows out. I, w- I had a whole repertoire of sensitive singer-songwriter songs. Tracy. Uh, Tracy. Uh, Indigo Girls. Mm. Little Sean Colvin. Um, <laughs> and I, and Did you I, play Fast Car? Uh, I didn't play Fast Car. <laughs> I think I didn't know it then, but I think something deep inside of me was like, you're a white male. You can't play this song. You can't do this. Um, and, and I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to be... I'm going to put out records and I'm going to be a singer-songwriter. That's what I was going to do. Mm. And then when I was 20, I dropped out of school for a semester and I recorded my own CD. And I look back at this and I can't believe I pulled this off. Before internet, before anything, I would send copies of my CD to music clubs all around the country and I booked a four-month-long tour for myself you it worked and it, it worked what was it was it just mark duplass it was mark duplass what was my, the name record, of the my record was called small hands no yes it was which i don't know why i would admit to that now that i'm looking back but i think the <laughs> metaphor in my mind was like you can do a lot with very little yeah um, and trump. Uh, yes yes <laughs> trump trump yeah great album at great album <laughs> and, um finally and i lived out of the back of, my, of, a, of a van for four months shut the fuck up yeah. You acid-doing, whiskey-speaking, yep. brother-loving, music Tiva-wearing. <laughs> Tour-booking. Tour-booking. Future director, producer, yeah, actor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was, my, I, that was my life. I was a musician, like, squarely until I was 25. Get out of my yeah. face! That's all, that's all, yeah. You got in a van. Your parents... My parents, my poor... driving Porsche. My poor so fucking well. parent. My mother was so worried about me. I didn't have a cell phone. She had no way to get in touch with me. I know. I would, like, call her, like, once every two weeks. Ugh. Um, ah! But, you know, I was trying to... I wanted to prove to myself I could do Wait, it. So as close as you were to Jay, you weren't codependent. I was not codependent. I was able to go out and do my own thing. If anything... You see, I feel like the story, if I was writing the story of you and it wasn't written yet, I would go, and he starts a band with his brother. Yeah. And they'll go out touring together. It's the happiest time of your life and stuff. You had something, a, a wolf in you, just the there was some other thing. We started, the- yeah, we started an editing business back in Austin. Jay ran the business. I went out on tour. Um <laughs> At the collective age of you know, 22 or something. Um, <laughs> Your lives sound like the stories of presidents. <laughs> it's, but but like, you have to like understand. It's like a myth like, that's I'm like, making, well, you know, and then Jay started an yeah. editing company, and I hit the road. And I hit the road. <laughs> what are you, Woodrow Wilson? <laughs> yeah. That was my chapter break. <laughs> that actually might be a whole section break in the book, actually. There might be a blank page in between that uh, and the next right, the, chapter. The photos, the extra white p- pages. Just like the weird gray page that just like, has nothing on it. You know? I don't know what that is. Um. <laughs> the one blank page. <laughs> Why do they do that? Just to force you we to need slow a pause. down. We need a, it's a palette, it's a mint. You do a lot it's of a editing. It's a built-in beat. It's, it's a built-in like beat. They, yeah. Oh, you think it's over. 
Yep. Oh, it's not over. There's more books. <laughs> so what happened on the road? I it mean, was great. I was, I was very I lonely. I wasn't used to being lonely because I always had Jay. It built up a lot of like um, confidence in me that I could do some stuff on my own, which was good. But, but what were you? What would you eat? I mean, I was awful to myself. Honestly, <laughs> I would only. I would like only eat when the clubs would feed me and then I would take some extra food and like sleep with it in the van that night and like eat it the next morning without it being refrigerated. I was obsessed (laughs) with turning a profit and I only dealt in cash. So if I didn't make enough money, I just like wouldn't eat. And so I had like all my, I just lived off of like, and I I remember at the end of the tour, I was so proud because I had like $470. You made a profit. I fucking you did something that I know comedians that try and do these types of things and yeah. can't pull it off, and, and it's a hot time for stand-up. Were there built-in audiences at these clubs for you? No, there were not. And, and a lot of it was like, I, was, I had a better than the average indie rock band, which is like a $5 cover, and someone's either coming to see you or they're not coming at all. I could play coffee shops where the coffee shop would value me enough to give me $50 and a free meal just to be backgroundy. Right. And so there were at least 18 people accidentally there, you know? Um, a sabotage. Yes. <laughs> but I, but something – I learned a lot from that tour, and I'm just realizing this now. I learned what it meant to under-forecast and overperform as an artist, which was I was everybody's nightmare. I was an annoyance in the corner while they're trying to talk to their friends or they'd rather listen to Dave Matthews' band or whatever. Uh-huh. And so I was the worst thing. And then when my songs were B-minuses – I sold no CD to them because I had this tiny, invisible little barrier to leap to success for them. And even though I only hopped over it, relatively speaking, I had soared. And they were like... Just because you sold a CD? Yeah, just because... <laughs> but Well, also, just like they thought I was amazing and loved me oh. because they were expecting it to be so terrible. I see. And so that... I've, I've car- I carry that with me a ton now, which is like make things cheaply... You know, it shows up on Netflix, and everybody's like, "Oh, that didn't get a theatrical release and a bunch of promotion, so it must suck." Under four K. Click. Yeah. This B plus is the greatest thing I've ever seen in my life. They don't even know that that's happening, but you're being graded on the curve, and I really believe in that. Like, it's it has you're stuck like the with opposite me. Opposite of not to disparage these people, but the marketing machines of like. You're Dane Cooks. Even even yeah. Aziz is very good at marketing, and it's like it's an event. It's Madison Square Garden. Yeah. I'm wearing a suit, and you're like, no. If even- you, I'm like, if you come here, it's going to be terrible. Right. That's my marketing. But even even the title Jeff, who lives at home, yeah. isn't Thunderdome. It's not Thunderdome. It's, it's not Jeff beyond who Jeff who lives, lives at home. home. Even yeah. And even the camera work, mm-hmm. which is shaky. Yeah. I, I you know I don't mean bad. No, sure. I just mean it's it's moving. Yeah. Handheld. Is saying like, yeah, I know, we're just kind of fucking around. And then when it's amazing and we're on the bridge at the end, you go, oh, I'm in a coffee shop buying a CD. (laughs) That's basically it. That's the point. This is like where you should say, I shouldn't even be telling you this. My career is over. (laughs) Everybody just figured it out. I also just mean you're giving people like a lot of experience that you got from hauling in a van for four months. And they can just kind of pick it up. Although, to your point, how do you get the fire for your children? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because you had this fire. I had this How fire. How do you manufacture it? it? it I don't understand. It, you, you can't. Uh, well, I've come to believe that you cannot manufacture it. You can do a lot of damage to it, um, and you can maybe, if you're lucky, do a little bit of of positivity and 
some flint to the fire. Right. But basically the barometer being zero, how they're born, I think you can do like 100% damage if you're not careful or like 10 to 20% good if you're really lucky. And what does that look like? Because it's interesting. Like, like I don't Here's have... music, yeah, for, my, for example. I don't know that this is right, but I want to encourage music in my children. I'm, my oldest daughter is... She has perfect pitch. She was born a musician. She was harmonizing in the back of the car when she was three years old. Was, <laughs> has has the thing. So it's been waiting for you. Hundred <laughs> percent. She she can do it. Uh, yeah, that was. She'll, really she'll catch, she'll catch just... the root note and just hold the root note through, and like it's amazing. What really. She can do. Yeah. So um, so I talked to my wife note. about it. I was like, what are we going to do? How do we fix it? You know, so we made this a decision. She the root note. What do we do? She knows the root note. <laughs> she, she can't even wipe her ass. And she yes. knows the root note. Yes. Um, quiet down, Katie. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, and so what we decided to do was buy a bunch of musical instruments and leave them around the house and never talk about them. And that's what we did. Really? We put a piano in the corner. There's a drum kit in my office. There's acoustic guitars. There's a ukulele. There's a little, a little um, penny whistle. The, um, <laughs> the melodica, you know, some easy ones. Um, and then we just watched as she melodica slowly. Is a piano that you blow that into. That you blow into. Mm-hmm. We just watched as she slowly started to find her way over towards these instruments. And I never Because push. if you mention it. I've had uh, other people on the podcast, like, let's say they're vegan and they want their kids to be vegan. Yeah. They don't want their kids to rebel. Totally. So they just kind of, like, eat vegan food and don't talk about it. As that. That's yep. what you're doing. Basically. Except I'm not, like, playing it in front of them being like, oh, check this out. Right, you right, know? right. I just let them go towards it. And it's interesting. My, my oldest daughter has fully taken to it. And she, you know plays four or five different instruments now and writes her own songs and does her thing. Really? She doesn't have the f- desperation and the fire that I have in her, which I'm kind of glad about, to be honest with you, because I just, you know, I've just punished myself for years. Like, that van, we joke about it and me being on that tour, but, like, I was destroying myself. I was, you were, you had a compulsion. I had a compulsion. And, I, you know, I mean, I, I had these... I had these terrible injuries in my arms throughout my twenties from just right. playing big acoustic guitars for years tenaciously. You're gonna finish this song. You're gonna stay up for four hours and you're gonna do it. You know, mm. and um, so it's almost like you would It's like dads that go, "I wouldn't want you to do what I do." That's exactly that's what it. my dad does, and I'm like, "You always seem so happy and you love yeah. your work," and he's just like. Step I wouldn't inside. wish it on you. Yeah. Yeah, step, step inside. inside. <laughs> Let me show you this thing. Step know? inside. It's not what it looks like. Yes. So uh, this this is a little area we call soul points. And, <laughs> um, you hear that alarm going off? That's... So <laughs> your hope is that she can enjoy it without the compulsion. Yeah, and that and that she will find some healthy level of this is my desire and this is what I want to do and I will go for this, but maybe not at the expense of everything well, that's what and my own physical well-being. Both Elizabeth Gilbert and Rob Bell, How to Be Here is the book that I said you might like, and Big Magic is the Elizabeth Gilbert. My mom's reading yeah. that right now. It's good. I recommended it to her yeah. without having read it. Yeah. I was like, I think you're going to like this. It's, uh, and this isn't to disparage any book that's trying yeah. to help artists. It's basically what The Artist's Way said. Mm-hmm. Did you read The Artist's Way? Mm-hmm. And then it just like we're all just kind of kicking around these same sort of I understand. ideas. That's not to disparage it. Um, but they say, but in both of those books, these people write, you think your happiness lies in making a living at what you love doing, yeah. but oftentimes it could ruin it or it, w- it just won't be what you expect. Yeah. You turn it into 
You're loving playing yeah. the guitar, and then you turn it into maybe a tour where you're eating cold chicken fingers in the morning. Which maybe hundred percent. It's not the worst thing in the world. It's not the worst thing in the world. It actually kind of sounds very free. <laughs> yeah. No, but I, I had a much worse compulsion in driving, and I would just, you know, I wouldn't allow myself to enjoy any moment, really. You know, Jay and I would be at the Sundance Film Festival with our first feature premiering, and it was incredible, and it was great, and it was time to go back to the hotel, and I would, like, like ask for a writing session for the next mm. hour and a half and, mm. like, not let us go to sleep until we, like, came up with the thing. And I was like, what? Yeah. What are you doing, man? Well, it's interesting because you said in your joy uh, point thing, soul points, yeah. uh, you enjoy your kids. I and I love Jeff Who Lives at Home, which I've already referenced. Uh, and that movie seems to have a lot to do with the wonder of being present. Yeah. The, the, the gift you give yourself in being present. And I, I don't want to be crabby or bratty, but I was like, I wonder if my father ever said... I just like getting up early so I can enjoy the boys. I and I have a guess that it rhymes it's no. with no. Yeah. <laughs> it's, just, it's just no. My dad did what he did, but here yeah. we are. We're, we're, it's a different time. It's a whatever. Blah, different blah, generation. Blah, 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 yep. and everybody's doing the best they can. But here we are. You're, now I'm looking back on other things, and I'm trying to be very deliberate to enjoy. I'm walking around New York. We're filming Crashing, and I just almost wrote a poem in my head about, like, try and see with the eyes of before. Yeah. And I'm not talking about nine-year-old Pete. I'm talking about 29-year-old yeah, yeah. Pete. I'm just like, you shut down McDougal Street. Yeah. Feel it. Yeah. And one of the problems is it takes energy to feel it. Although I did have a friend of mine, uh, David Nickturn, who did this podcast. He's a big Buddhist meditator guy. And I was like, it's exhausting being present all day. Yeah. And he said, that's only if you're pushing against something. Yeah, that's interesting. So, so he was like, the real presence is effortless. Yeah. You can't be trying. You need to surrender to however you're feeling all the time. Yeah. And, but being present somehow, I, I don't have it figured out. I don't have it figured out. I, the, the times when I am truly present is, is uh, very rarely the result of effort. It's usually luck. It's usually... <laughs> you trick yourself. Oh my God, I, something ha- it's 5.42. I got done with work early. I'm on beer one and a half. The sun is setting what behind my wife. Nearly two drinks. Yeah, was, have you seen drinks. that sketch? No. There's a sketch about nearly two drinks. Okay, and that's my the life. perfect amount yeah. of alcohol. It is. It's perfect. For, Nearly yeah. two drinks. Yeah, yeah. And I'm just like, <laughs> oh god, peace has descended on my body, and and all of my senses are connected to this moment. I'm not thinking about my work tomorrow. I'm not. Right. I'm just right here. Oh god, that's so great. I wish I could hold on. Figure out a way to manufacture this and how to get this. Right. And, and that's what this whole workout and sauna and pool and right. my nine to four well, schedule. That's it's, we, it's all aimed at that. First, got very excited is when we come out of the hot cold combo. I'm right there with Valerie. Yeah. I'm able to go look at... Like, I'm sure she senses that. She... What do you mean? Are, she senses your presence absolutely. in a way that's just... It's... it's. I'm sure your kids say, yeah. you know, that's the closest I have to a kid is I, I have a witness there that's my, yeah. my wife. And I go, oh, I'm here. And she goes, oh, you're here. And yeah. she was there because she's not... She doesn't have the compulsion either. Mm. The obsessive. I, and I, I, is I, she just naturally present? She just is like very. Friends. You said downstream. Yeah. If I if that means what I think, I mean she's a very downstream person. Yeah. She's kind of relaxed, and if she worries about anything, it's that she's not worried. Enough. Yeah. And I'm like, my job, I feel like, as her partner, is to like just kind of protect that. Yeah. Be like you don't understand. That's great. Uh, I'm not saying that to sound cool. Like stay You're, there. You are a unicorn. Yes. So let's not. 
yes. take off your horn. Nobody wants a unicorn wearing a saddle. Yeah. Have you ever seen that? Mm. No, because they're not beasts of burden. They're beasts of majesty. Yeah, <laughs> that's really wonderful. I have I have a, a, an old close friend and roommate of mine who was born on July 7, 1977. Straight sevens. <laughs> and He's a limo company. And there's a subconscious <laughs> feeling to him that the universe will take care of him. And because he believes it that way, they have an unspoken pact, and the universe does take care of him. And he floats gently through the world and feels everything he touches. Uh, and he never has a lot of money or, or, or stuff. Right. And he is so wonderfully happy. And is that kind of a Jeff thing? It is kind of a Jeff thing. Because you, you have know? the Ed Helms character yeah. with the fancy car and he's getting in his own way. Yeah. And then there do seem to be those quieter people uh, that see, may, might seem like losers because they're not interested yeah. in the game that people are winning or losing. Yeah. They're just opting out a little bit. I will say this. I don't know how you feel. I am learning to become grateful for my years of compulsion because that engine has built something for me, you know, in particular, like I don't have any more, um, like logistical mountains I need to climb. Like I need to make this amount of money to be comfortable. I need to like do this so that like I can get success and have, you know, I've got those things kind of covered and that came out of that crazy driven time. Right. So I'm, I wonder how. Yes, I'm trying. I'm, I'm I'm like a little bummed about it because like I actually did some physical damage to my body through those years, and I kind of aged myself a little bit, I think. But I'm also trying now to just be grateful and be like, whoa, 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 whoa! You stockpiled a bunch of life stuff here, right? And have now afforded yourself the ability to f- hang out in an infrared sauna should you choose, right. <laughs> which is nice, not just economically, everything. You know? I'm surprised it, t- it takes effort because I know successful people that are miserable. Yeah, but it sounds to me. Like you might agree, I I'm surprised that it's not that feeling of I got the things that I, I needed a mm-hmm. I needed to do stand up I need to be a comedian I need to be able to headline I need all this stuff it does I am grateful yeah I it, like Did you get everything you wanted out of being a comedian what do you mean did you get as far as you wanted to go as, as a stand up as a stand up that's interesting nobody's asked me that I think so yeah. I feel very happy. With my level of involvement in the stand-up world, yeah. I'm aware that they're not like Louie, Burr, yep. Holmes. No one's yes. ever said that. Yeah, people who love me love me, and I feel like this is right up your alley. I love me. Yeah, I'm the comedian that I go. That's what I'm Ooh, going that's for. Huge. Yeah, that that's that. But that's that. That's big. Second half of life wisdom, where you're like, yeah. I'm doing the the jokes that I would laugh I at if be I were doing in the crowd. Yeah. And that's I don't, really great. I don't see other people doing that exact thing. I have a similar perspective, but a, a little different, which is I think I view my success in the film and TV world very much the way you're viewing your level of success in the stand-up world, where it's like, of course, there are people that are just like going to be the household names above where I'm at. Right. Um, and would that be kind of cool? It sounds cool. That'd be kind of awesome. Well, it's not Wes Anderson yeah. and, or whoever, Spike Jones, and all Wes stuff. Anderson, yeah. Duplass Brothers. Yeah. You're we're, where we're I am. In other space. I, I, yeah. It's not one for one that you're where I am. But I similar. think you guys are are huge and amazing. But Mike Birbiglia blows my mind. You, you oh know, Mike. God, I love Mike. He blows my mind. I, I talk to him. I love him so I, much. I hope he doesn't mind. Yeah, he won't mind. He says that he tells people he's where he wants to be, mm-hmm. and no one believes him. Yeah. And I feel like is that kind of what you're saying? It's I, like, I don't get that no one believes me. I am. Definitely where I want to be. Right. For sure. Right. And and part of that is relative to how far I ever thought I could be. 
I'm about a thousand times further than I ever thought. <laughs> and that's no false modesty or anything. I thought, God, if one day I could just like play a live show and make money off it or get to Sundance and just have a movie there, not even sell it. Right. I am like 75 more mountains I have climbed right. beyond the top that I ever thought I'd get to. Right, right, right. So I could see how it could be like a little cooler or something if I had more things. Right. But I'm definitely the guy who's looking around and just being like, HBO pays me to make shows and Netflix pays me to make movies. Oh my God. I can't believe that. You've exceeded your own expectations. 100%. Yes. And that keeps me comfortable. And Room 104, am I getting the number yep. right? There's there's number anxiety in any of the shows with I numbers. Know. So much. And I, on the way in, I was like, I got to talk about Room 203. Yeah. Like I just, <laughs> which is funny because it's on the first floor. I should know it has it's to be a, a one. You know what? It's, it's not easy. It's a production wet dream i have to think it is a production wet dream and i wonder how much season two again it, it, it was a joy for the most part i had low moments yeah but you know i remember on the first day we're on location one you know when you're at the beginning of a season and you're like we're in location one scene one page one yep. day one and you're like fuck yeah <laughs> Yeah, any little bit of tiredness you have or anxiety is so amplified because you realize because oh, you I'm gonna have to carry it the whole way, and you're already kind of tired. Yep. in the first, I, I have yep. to imagine you've experienced 100%. that a million times, and um, you're in debt, and you just started the race. <laughs> yeah, it's so not good for the soul points, and then not good. and then I see you going. You know, I kind of call it like the Whitney Cummings move. Whitney had all these projects, and then two broke girls. So that's like the network yep. version of going, I'm going to produce something. Um, you did something even cooler. Let me, you correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah. Okay, I, I can't, we can't be location scouting. Nope. <laughs> I don't want to do that because I'll miss dinner at five o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> so you made this show in a hotel. In a, it's a hotel? It's a motel. It's a motel. Yeah. I never, under, it's because you drive, you park motor. in front of it. Yeah, motor court. Motor a motel. court. Ooh, yep. learning. It's one location. Yep. It's actor bait. James Vanderbeek is going to want to do it because it's exciting. It's and it, short. And it's two to three days an episode, two, so get them in and out. Two to three days. We can even work with scary children. Yes. <laughs> I can do. I can experiment with different genres because they all realistically happen in, I, a, in a motel room setting. It, it reminds me of the type of... I have a very vivid memory of being a kid and being in the parking lot of a restaurant by a highway and going, we could film a movie here. Yeah. Remember that childlike feeling where totally. you're like, every corner of any room was like, yes. imagine Full. what could happen. Full of the stories. And you go like a child. I'm going to do this. Childlike, not childish. You go, I'm going to imagine the many things that could happen. I wonder if the guy that made Black Mirror watches that and is like, Gosh. shit. I think he's doing okay. <laughs> you know, no, I know. His show he's is a, wildly successful. No, that show is yes. also amazing. Yeah, but it's but hard. It looks, every episode is yep. a different movie. And you're like, what can we do with two pieces of bread and some peanut butter? That, that is always, that's been my MO forever. And it's what I really believe in. It's part of the under forecast and overperform thing. It's right. Partially, you know, so much I tried podcast. to get like very um, dialed in about um, keeping the costs extremely low for HBO so that um, to be an appealing show. Yeah, to be an appealing show to stay on the air if my ratings are not perfect. Right. Um, if you're cheap and you're on a Friday night when it's kind of a free night. 
right. then hey, you just stay on the air. I, See, I also this is that Birbiglia thing where it's like you don't want to be the I lead into it. Game of Thrones or whatever. I, I, I don't, don't want it. You want. See, what Mike is saying is, you don't understand. I could have a show on this or that. I could yeah. do this type of. I could. He's like, I want to do one man shows. I want to film them, and I want to make a movie that is right from my heart. And that is it is really smart a chase for fulfillment, <laughs> yeah. Rather than getting your dick sucked in a jacuzzi, and you know he's what I'm saying? Ga- and he's going to live a long creative life because of that. In my humble opinion, because yeah. he's keeping his soul points way, 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 way soul up. Points. But you, I mean, so I are see you. these people go on these amazing runs for ten years and make this incredible stuff, and then they just make garbage. Mm. Um, and I think part of that is because they just either burn out or they start franchising themselves because they're addicted to what people like about them or mm. whatever it is. And I want to live a long, creative, happy, healthy life. It's very important to me. Right. And How important is it to you that people like... I, so David Nickturn, the Buddhist, mm-hmm. I had dinner with him while we were shooting and I was like, I was talking about creating something else and I was like, I think people, you know, I, I don't know if I want to do this other thing that we were yeah. talking about, but I think people would like it and he went, ugh. Yeah. <laughs> he went, ugh. And I was like, oh, he's right. Yeah. It, was, it wasn't uh, crashing. It's this other idea. And he was like, what do you care? Not in that like cool sunglasses in the yeah, back yeah. of the bus way. Like real fulfillment. Yeah. And so is that the, the only – you and Birbiglia seem to have that in common. The only part that someone liking my stuff can add to true fulfillment is that there have to be enough people there to like it and watch it so I can keep making it. Yeah. That's really the critical thing. Right. You know? And so I do check. Like I'll be like, um, a week after we premiered, let me check Rotten Tomatoes. And I'm like, we're 85%. We're good. Then, <laughs> then that's all I need is just to be like in the space where HBO will continue to renew me. And right. I'm doing more things now, like really protecting is myself. Is Room 103 85? Uh, yeah, 85. Yeah. Around there? Um, that's a, I, I would have think it was definitely in the 90s. Yeah. It, it, it's um, like. Who who watches that and like has a really sour reaction yeah, I don't, to it? I, I don't, don't understand. I, we might be in the nineties by now, honestly. Uh-huh. Just that was yeah. early on. Sure, sure. Let's just say we're in the nineties and I'll never look. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That Agreed. feels great. I, I can, That's all I need. I can honestly promise you I will never run <laughs> tomatoes. How's room one oh three doing? Yeah. I never um, so another thing I've really tried to get into, and this is maybe a little boring, but I think it's important, is um when I made Room One O Four it was reverse engineering a show that could be made so cheaply so that I could own it mm. and license it to HBO and oh you paid it and I own the show you make um, you I make the, the money sh- I of make the, the show and then they license it from me like some people do that with like stand up specials yes. you you're not letting Michael Jackson take your Beatles catalog. 100%. And so part of it is like, oh, ownership, and that's cool. But if HBO decides, I don't want to make your show anymore, like they did with Togetherness, mm. they own my show. So it just stays there. But like with Room 4, I'm like, okay, fine. I'll just have somebody else show it. Oh, and putting myself in that space, and Mike is is very good with that. Too. Was that a lesson you learned because Togetherness ended? It's a lesson I've been doing in the film space for years, yeah. but I could never... TV shows are just so expensive to make. Mm. I could never come up with a model where until, I could actually afford it until I was like, what about a ho- motel room right. show where I just write one-act plays, which is what I like to do anyway. Right. Um, right. And then I was like, yes, now I can do this and own it and stay in control How of it. How good was that kid? 
How happy yeah. were you when you found that kid in the, in the first episode? Incredible. So frightening. Yeah. Because it is interesting. It's almost like Hitchcockian mm-hmm. in that way, where it's like the things that scare us can be as simple as birds. <laughs> you know what I mean? 100%. It doesn't have to be. I mean, it was that's just a fucking clown. Yeah. You know, and it's like, okay, it goes back to me. On the road, going a movie could happen here. Yeah, I think that's really really exciting. Yeah, and the and and you know, I just again, creatively, I just know I'm at my happiest when I am not. I look up and I see like John Mellencamp is going to play live at Staples, and he has to get up there and he has to sing "Hurt So Good" and smile, mm. and that just destroys me. Mm. And as much as I love making togetherness, season two of togetherness was me trying to sing my hit song from an album ago mm. and feeling like I'm starting to move past this thing and I don't know what I'm going to do. That's why. Yeah. I thought and maybe, it's not play. I thought maybe you walked away from together. I didn't, we know. didn't walk. No, I'd love to be like, Hey, we walked away. Yeah. No, it was, uh, but that was what I thought. Actually. Yeah. It no, the, like, oh, the true, think. the true answer is they, they called and were like, look, you know, we're not sure what's happening here. We're trying to figure out what's going on. And I was like, you already bought all the scripts for season three. And you told us we were making a season, so I don't understand what's happening. You had already written it. And then all of a sudden, like, the head of HBO was gone, and there was a big rigmarole. And and uh, I think what just happened is they're like, oh, we're going to have a, a, a show called Divorced that is kind of about this stuff but it has sarah jessica parker so let's just get rid of the other one i see and you know i had a really awesome honest conversation with the heads of hbo when it happened and we we're like look if because they were taking about a week to tell us whether they wanted to pick up or not and we were like look you know we're not gonna tell you that we actually absolutely have to have this show and beg you for it because like there's a part of us when we think about getting canceled that starts to like gleefully giggle at all the freedom that's coming to us yeah if you want to do it, we vein. can't pass it up, and we're going to have to do it. And it was it was half written at the time; we were almost there. Um, and then when they canceled this, it was. I mean, Jay and I looked at each other, and we were just like, "Oh my god!" Because you were back in the sandbox, we were, we were free, and we were back <laughs> in the sandbox, and it was incredible. So we, it felt so good. You felt trapped in the second season. You were Cougar Mellencamping it. I wasn't phoning it in, or or, but I I was sensing how. I was tethered to this thing that had its own life and its own rhythms, as its we were talking for- about before. Formula has and negative it, connotations, but it, had a feel. but it was getting there. Yeah. And and I and I wasn't able to. So so like any little kid who's telling me I have to be that, I was just trying to like rebel against and spike out and do other things. Mm. And and so I think it's just knowing me personally, you know, just the anthological form of Room One Hundred and Four hmm. is just like pick it up, new story every night, new people, pick right. it up, pick up, and animals. Know? And animals, same way too. Also you know? limitless. Limitless is what it can be, and yeah. fun. You know, right. so so for you, Soul Points has a lot to do with being able to free, free to move as we free say. to move around any direction. Yeah, you could do an episode. I keep calling it Room One Hundred and Three. It's One Hundred and Four. It is One Hundred and Four. You didn't correct me, and I. But appreciate by the that. way, Room One Hundred and Three. Who knows? Ah, it would be a cross. It would be a cross. <laughs> yes, yes. We'd blow everybody's minds with the first episode, where, where like you're on the front door of Room One Hundred and Four, and you roll over, and it was like Room One Hundred and Three, and they're like Room One Hundred and Five, Six. What? It's like a street. Flip around. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> but you could. It's funny that you say that. It, it has that Twilight Zone thing where you could zoom out and the hotel was on the flea of a dog. And Wonderful. it doesn't matter. Yep. But that's got to feel really good. It's very, very liberating. It's very connected to the nine-year-old creativity that you're yeah. talking about. What is going on up here? There's like nap pads and there's guitars and stuff. How do you yeah, hack so, into your own creativity So here? this is my creative space. We're in 800 square feet of a pitched attic. Um, Pitched. And I have my what I call my regression chamber right over Pete's right shoulder. With a Super Nintendo. Oh, that's a regular Nintendo. Records and Nintendo. Goonies on VHS. And Goonies on VHS, but also some Steven Seagal movies if we want. I rarely play those things. I just like that they're there. I actually well, am I not mean, the guy who does all that. I would believe that you, you weren't allowed in this area. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like it's like an art installation. Yeah. Because that is, it's awesome that you, I'm looking at stripes, just seeing VHS. I ordered them on eBay in bulk. Like um, Just people's collections. People's collections, because I wanted to have them. Um, That's amazing. And and then behind me, we have four mats that, were, that in my mind, I was like, oh, that's where I'll dream creatively. I've never used them, <laughs> and I think I will never use them. I lay on this couch because it's comfortable. And well, then, there's that mat, and there's post-its above it. Yeah, those, that's my kids' creative section. They come with me to work sometimes on, like, Saturday, because okay. like, they just love it here. There's snacks. and Well, it is. It, it ha- it's funny that... The details of your workspace, you can see your mission statement is like, we need to stay like kids. Yes. It feels, like you said, you, you come up here, you smoke pot. I'm having a sense of you that's probably, or maybe I'm projecting, but like, um, you're like very affable and you're good with humor and all I stuff. Don't like, whenever you do I this, I'm might, like, oh no. I think you might take yourself very seriously like I take myself very seriously. <laughs> oh yeah, no, that's true. Regard, like, that's I'm true. very thoughtful about my life and what's and i'm like and my silliness i take it all like uh, it's of great importance to me you know yes, yes. and so i actually have to actively i don't want to say fight against it but but encourage the goofy silly Buddy, side i don't me, think anybody's baking in a sauna and jumping in a cold pool which is what you and i yeah, are doing yeah unless they're like very serious <laughs> really into them do you take themselves. your temperature all the time no like, no oh i do that. I'm con- to see if you're sick. No, no, no. I mean, um, oh, metaphorically, spiritually speaking, every way. Oh, yes, Valerie. Hundred percent. One of the things that she, uh, I'm glad that she enjoys it. She's like my father. I never knew what was going on. He was like a hairy, not a monster, but you know, mm-hmm. like a Sesame Street monster. A mystery. A mystery. <laughs> and I never I'm knew how to save you felt. in your relationship with your dad there. Yeah. What's that? I'm just trying to save that relationship and call it a mystery <laughs> for you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But I've counteracted some of that behavior. I didn't like not knowing how my dad felt. Yeah. And as a result, I, if you ask me at any moment, except during this podcast, I, I really am just talking to you and yeah. trying to be a space for you and for us. But most of the time, I can tell you how I feel and nine theories on why I feel that yeah. way. It can be exhausting, so I don't broadcast it all the time. Yeah. But do you relate to that? Oh, 100%. And it's interesting because I relate to my kids in a way that I didn't think I was going to relate to them growing up, um, which is I am an oversharer of my feelings with them. I thought good parenting in my brain, it was just put all your attention on them, listen to them, hear them, validate them, and you have to do that. But unless you are actively sharing your stuff and your troubles with your children, you will yeah. actually have no intimacy with them. That's um, well said. And so I am dumping things onto my children. Right. I'm like, just last night, I was putting them down to sleep, 
You know, and they're like, Dad, can we have a story tonight? And I was like, I don't think I have it in me. And they're like, why? And I'm like, I've made up so many stories. I feel like it's not going to be a good one. And you guys are going to be disappointed in me because I made a bad story. And also my neck is killing me right now. And I just like, I kind of want to get you guys to bed and just get in my room and read my book, you know. Ooh. And they they sense that like kind of realness, semi-dad failure in me. Oh, I and see. And they put me in the bed. And they put their stuffed animals all around me, mm. and they rubbed my neck, and we told a story where we – I didn't have to tell the whole story. I would just make it up, and then when I couldn't get anywhere, I would touch one of their noses, and they would take over the story. Fuck and they everything. got empowered, and I was like, Jesus, this why is... do we fake anything? Why do we have to be so strong and uh, just just give it up? That story. So the more I do that with my kids, that, that that's where our intimacy – actually comes from it's funny that he's uh, so i get a text from my dad and and he's kind of saying like i wish we would uh talk more or whatever and my problem and i love my dad i would say this if he were here although i don't know if he would hear it is that sometimes when we talk i just feel like he's interviewing me yeah and so i didn't want to reply he's showing his interest it's in some way but it's, it's just not... da- data collection yeah what how's that yeah he, not even how's that he's just yeah. like he'd go like a good example of my dad would go like Peter, what's a good uh, quality of a director? And now I just go, what do you think a good quality of a director oh, yeah. is? And he goes, decisiveness. <laughs> and I realized he just wanted to tell me. Yeah. So he'll go, well, that's good. Peter, is, is Jeff, he calls Judd Jeff, is Jeff. Jeff decisive? And I just go, what do you think, Dad? Yeah. It's, it's like a weird game I play. He must be. Please tell me he is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I just go, like, is he? You, yeah. tell, you tell me if he is. Do you think he is? Yeah. So when he said, like, I, I wish we would talk more or yeah. whatever, I said, Dad, I would love to have more of a relationship, but I think it would take a level of listening and vulnerability that we've never had. Have and you I, said that to him? I texted it to him. Oh, good. And I don't know, and I love my dad, and I know he means it, Yeah. but I don't know if he knows what I mean. Yes. And when you told me that story, that is maybe something I would tell him. Yeah. It might heal us a little bit. Yeah. Because I'm saying, like, it's okay to be honest with me. I've said to him point blank, Dad, your dad years are done. Let's be peers. Like, yeah. Just talk to me. That's and I've said many times the reason I do this, one of the reasons I do this podcast is so I won't be hiding from my children won't be an option. Yeah. They'll be able to absorb every doubt, wonderful. every weird thing in this. I'm glad you say that because I often they wonder want if it'll feel, bite me in the ass. Oh, God, do they want to feel you? I mean, it depends on the DNA of the kid a little bit yeah. and depends on who you are. But you're going to be a person who is in a public profile. And if there's any danger, it's going to be fuck, am I ever going to be as good and as successful as dad is? I'm right. intimidated by him. Right. So the more Evidence. openness and buffoonery you can offer to them, like they are going to Open. take great delight in openness that. Openness and buffoonery. It's the key to intimacy in my yes. opinion. Well, I, not to make this about me, but Valerie, who was impressed when we met by the things I had done, now that we live together and she's seen the dry spells and the plateaus yes. and the low days and the just like, I'm going to draw the blinds and watch movies because I have zero soul points. Yeah, uh, She loves the demystification of what can sometimes... With, with, I'm getting this from you. I'm like, who is this guy? Yeah. You're so articulate. You're so creative. But I know it's helpful to know that there's days where you go, I can't tell the story. To me. Yeah. And I'm not your child. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm like, oh, good. It's like um, a danger, I think, in, uh, dare I say, America uh, to do things that garner um, people's respect as opposed to 
um, they're just feeling close to you and yeah. and, and understanding you. It's the you bits know? that you think they don't want that they it's that's probably what they're after. It's it's kind of the thing. The imperfection. I spent a lot of time like and I still fall prey to this. A film festival wants me to come and teach the young kids how to make movies and I give this rousing speech confidently with very little room for error and stories of my own error about like what the path is and driving it you know yeah and it's good and it's inspiring and helpful but i always walk away being like oh maybe i should have just told them about all the times i had all that self-doubt right i think that might be better right what is the right mix of vulnerability and inspiration yeah that's actually one of the things i feel when i watch tony robbins sorry to keep bringing it up but he's at such a high peak level he's just like i want to feel joy yeah and ecstasy always and i'm like it's interesting. I like this is weird. Maybe it's because I'm Irish. I like that sometimes I'm depressed. It's I not that I enjoy it when I'm in it necessarily, but I like that I can talk to you about it. It's so great that you can feel that way. I it took me a long time to get there mm. to be able to because I was afraid of it. Um and I do have like a depressious and anxious side to my personality that it, it is worth being afraid of because it can spin me out. Uh-huh. So I wasn't able to like be comfortable in it for a long time. Yeah, I want to be clear. I don't like it. In yeah, it. but but I don't know if if there was a switch that said you'll yeah. never feel anxiety, you'll never feel depression, you'll never feel despair. I don't yeah. know if it, if we'd make very good art if we couldn't like your character in togetherness. Totally, I deeply related to that guy, and I actually was very. Sorry if it's weird, but you made a word. Uh, proud of you. I was like, look at this guy. You're a cool. You're a cool guy. You're a cool, creative guy. <laughs> right. And you put on these glasses and the hair, and and I was going, I know this guy, and you wrote it. Yeah. And you chose that guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I didn't get laid off of togetherness. Actually, I did not. I did not. Um, and that's okay. That's okay. I right. Got, but I you got a lot give, of hugs. You gave voice to a, 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 a division of men. Yeah. That need hugs. Oh, that's nice. Thanks for saying yeah. that. Yeah. And then, I, so I, sometimes I ask the greatest lesson. It's just like a speed round yeah. thing. It's not speed round. But the greatest lesson about acting, and before you say listening, <laughs> every actor says listening. Here's why I won't accept listening from you, even though I know that's a huge part of acting. You're interesting. You're an interesting actor. Mm-hmm. You, um, what's it called? Chair? Fluff, puffy, puffy chair. Puffy chair. You and Puffy chair eating cereal and mm-hmm. kind of saying a line to a guy, I found the chair on eBay. There's a there's something else going on other than just listening. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's interesting to watch. Uh, and sometimes when I'm in, in crashing and I have to like wake up or go to bed or brush my yeah. teeth, you Pacino and De Niro and all these guys doing these things alone, very interesting. Al Pacino eating a bagel. You're just yeah. kind of like, well, I'm looking at this guy. Do you have any sense, maybe not to intellectualize it, yeah. but how you get into a space of comfortability to be an interesting actor, to be a real raw actor? I don't. I, it's, I mean, I really appreciate the compliment. I, I, I doubt sometimes that I am that interesting doing those kinds of things, but I'm glad to hear that it yes. does at least work very for you. Interesting. Safety not guaranteed. Very interesting. Yeah. The first time I met you, I didn't even know you were a producer, director, writer, uh, and you produced that movie. Yeah. And I was just like, wow, you really stole that movie. <laughs> like, that, I literally said that to you. I was like, that was stole your... It yourself. I, I know. That's yeah. what I, I was like. I gave you... This is verbatim because later I was embarrassed. I went, that was your movie. And I was like, it was his movie. <laughs> 
<laughs> I thought you were an actor, gun for you hire. Just, you just came up with a lot of feeling and told me a fact. Exactly. <laughs> you might as well have been the producer yeah, of that exactly, movie, exactly. man. Um, but that's like an interesting character. And another yeah. character that could have been not very two, three-dimensional or sympathetic but like you really, it it breaks my heart when he realizes the 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 jig is up. And yeah, I mean my had. my feeling is that like my if I have like some secret powers as an actor, it uh, it mostly stems from me being a writer first and just being extremely aware of story. Mm. And no matter who I'm with or what they're telling me. Um, if I can't get there with my intentions, I will change the words. Even if the writer and the director are like, don't change the words. I'm like, uh, I'm going to change the words to make this moment truthful. I'm you, sorry. <laughs> that's so funny. I also improvise because the best moments, we're editing right now. Yeah. And whenever I go, huh, I was just interested in myself. Yeah. It's because I was trying to think of a way to say it. Yeah. It's like you improvise because you're not that great of an actor. I'm not saying My that about you. Me. I'm saying that like that's. But I kind of feel that way. And there's I use so the many, words. I, there's so many scenes where I go, that surprises me because like I just yeah. say yes. that surprises that me. Surprises or, me. I wasn't. I wasn't expecting you to say. Uh, that. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just like <laughs> another truth. Because I wrote it. Yeah. And I'm going in this scene. My character is is surprised and didn't yeah. expect them to say that. So sometimes you do just say it, and and you're saying the same. I think that's part of. And then I think, you know, this is me comp patting myself on the back maybe a little bit but i think that i am as you are i can tell as a person already i am tremendously interested in individuals i mm. just love people i'm obsessed with them <laughs> so i'm just constantly scanning them looking in their eyes mm. hearing them laugh and know that oh they're covering something up i'm right, just obsessed right, right. with it right right so i think that the game what that does is it i have I'm I'm known amongst my peers and my friends as like the chemis- the chemistry generator. Is like <laughs> he may not be the greatest actor in the bunch, but like <laughs> you put him in a room with anyone, and there's going to be amazing chemistry no matter who it is, because he's obsessed with people and he That's finds something funny. in there and he pulls it out of them. As as we're having this bromance, pe- I I get the compliment. The podcast, a lot of people comment, uh, like people will say about this episode. Listen to uh, Mark and Pete becoming realizing their best friends. Yeah, and I, and that happens a lot. And I bet that would happen a lot for you if you had a podcast, because there is a certain type of person that goes, even though we might not agree about everything. Yeah, I can find the things our common ground. And you can, and, and we'll you, build a you house. Can there. genuinely get lit up by <laughs> right, that, and, right? And and get some of that Tony Robbins high joy <laughs> passion. <laughs> it's so weird that he says that because I honestly, my life is full of. Big spikes and enjoyment and excitement. My kids make this cool piece of art, and oh my god, that was so cool! And I throw them in the pool, and you know, <laughs> I, I don't need to find that. That comes to me all over the place, and I have those nice deep lows with the depression, and, and that that doesn't enrich me. And I agree with you; I probably wouldn't get rid of it. Um, the thing that I can't get to is kind of what we were talking about earlier: is that that beer and a half peace mm. and presence is very tough for me to find, right? You know? And I'm working towards that. I think that's one of the contradictions that I. I, I wouldn't say struggle with that I'm aware of is that like I am this happy, present, vibrant person who does want to drink a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Not I, I don't get I don't get like shit house, but yeah. like when I come home, I pro I if I'm not drinking it's because I went no. 
Yeah, you stopped. <laughs> I stopped myself. Yeah. It's hard for me to know that yeah. pot is an option. Yeah, and go like, no, if I don't have anything to do, because yeah. I go like, I don't have anything to do. We might as well like, yeah. light the curtains. On yeah, fire. you can. And, and by the way, and I'm, I'm betting if you're like me, you're like, I could go to therapy and dig into this and unearth something, but. It's not that unhappy, and it's a decent part of my life. Right, right. Do I just leave this and just allow it to be a slight contradiction? Or well, do I need to actually go transcend this thing? How many creases are we going to iron I out? mean, come on. <laughs> I, I, I don't, those I don't touch. I'm not a flag. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> I'm a quilt. You, it's fine. It's, I, I totally agree with you on that. So that was that's acting. What about writing? What's a great lesson you've learned about writing? Um, it's, you know, it's... Kind of tied to that to the Malcolm Gladwell blink thing, which is uh, I, you really, really need to watch as many movies as you possibly can multiple times, mm. so that your body understands movie structure, mm. and then turn your brain off and jump in and just let someone else drive. Uh-huh. And that's what I do. And that's what I do. You with mean Roma let someone 04. else drive with your brain, your, with, your subconscious, with your subconscious, yeah. and just let it go. When I when I wrote the Ralphie episode of Room 104, I was like, I'm, I'm just bringing this girl into the door and there's a, the kid in the bathroom will not come out. And I have no idea if this is going to be funny or scary or anything. And Mm. I'm just going to literally like, you know, um, Inigo in Princess Bride Mm. guide my sword father and like just go what you you filled such a gap for me i I always say flying the kite into the black hole yeah or or clean antenna you're just trying to receive the song trying to receive the song but also like it's a little more vigilant and active for me because that's why that's better i'm listening for things and i'm trusting that like something is telling me this first thing this person should do is sing the zestfully clean song I don't know why, but I'm going to trust that right. and know that either, A, my brain knows that you're going to bring it back for the bookend, right. or I'll just reverse engineer it and throw it there. Right. Either one, I don't care. It's fine. It's interesting that your brain effortlessly and naturally creates dreams. And dreams can often be nonsense, but there's no... It's wonderful There was me. no meeting that your brain was like, tonight, yeah. we're going to be on a hovercraft, and your principal is going to be there. Yeah. Like, it just does it in real time, and they're pretty compelling. They are dramatically usually pretty great. Right. So I, that's I, uh, just a flow state, and you're trying to be there. I had a dream about uh, Tom Petty last night. Did you? Um, yeah. Uh, he wasn't there, but um, I was singing Free Fallen on my acoustic guitar trying to get a group of people to kind of listen to it who were sitting mm. just beyond me. Mm. And we all sang Free Fallen together, and it right. was magical. Right. And it's being written... As yeah. the A is on the page, the A is being yeah. said. There's no, there was no rehearsal for the dream. Yeah. So yeah. So that's the writer portion for me is tapping in the subconscious and trust. I think that's great. Why do you know? Like consuming media, reading books, whatever it might be, is helping you maybe write a movie and oh write a book. Oh my god! Yeah. I am a writer today because of the seven to eight movies that I saw fifty times in the. What mid-80s. are they? Um, like. I mean, it's weird, but like, they're more of like a little more heartfelt than like actual kid movies. Like Karate Kid was about as kid movie as I would get, you know. It has kid in it. But I was obsessed with Kramer versus Kramer for whatever reason. I just love mm. that movie, mm. um, and I watched it and baked that structure into my brain. And I watched, um, I did watch um, Romancing the Stone a bunch over and over again, mm. and I just find that that's the 
that is the best film school for me is to have your body intrinsically understand dramatic structure right. and not your brain. Right. And just, ah. like, just rub those movies all over you. Heart not head. Like biofreeze. Right. Yeah. Like that's why a lot of great stand-ups love stand-up. Yeah. And they watched it. And it got in before like Indiana Jones uh-huh. before that wall well, came down. Well, that's why I watch movies on VHS is because I have an opinion now that if a movie is – is digitized and in widescreen, the subconscious part of myself will watch it as a filmmaker because that's how I watch movies now. But I watch these things on a solid state TV on VHS before I was a filmmaker. Pan and scan? Pan and scan. And I'm trying to <laughs> trick my body into being nine years old just receiving a movie again. That's so funny because that what, that was always this idea I had for, for Jed. Uh, for, like, I was like, Jed has what he needs yeah. material-wise. And I'm not going to do this, and he won't. I, I don't think he'll hear this. But uh, I always had this birthday idea for him, mm. which was to sit, basically set up a TV like that because I knew he was never happier than watching Mash on a TV like that. It's beautiful. And and he did that every day. Uh, I, I, I think he's spoken about this. You know, come home from school, let himself in, watch hours of comedy, drama, whatever it was. Yeah. And that was getting into, like you said, the body, not as not just his head. Yeah. And but blissed out in a way that I can't speak for him, but I know I have a hard time reconnecting. reconnecting. Oof. <laughs> <Hey>. <laughs> You're gonna hard cut out on reconnecting, aren't you? <laughs> I think you have to. <laughs> Hard time reconnecting. And Toto's Africa playing. Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't realize, I didn't recognize the opening. Of course. Have you seen those two guys in the coffee shop kill Africa? No. To nobody? No. Well, YouTube it. It's okay. so good. It's these two guys I, I can't ruin it for you. It's these two guys with two guitars and they play Toto's Africa better than anything you've ever heard. Except maybe Toto. Yeah. And at the end, you realize it's like a punchline that yeah. there's four people There's no watching. one there. And, but they you. crush it. They, cr- they play it like they said, we're going to kill your family mm-hmm. if you don't play Toto yeah. perfectly right now. And they did. Uh, let's see. What about collaborating? I'm sure people ask you about, oh, do you fight with your brother? And we yeah. kind of already touched that. But like, I'm interested in, you know, what's it like working with another person? I'm really into it right now. A couple of reasons. I do have a legitimate fear of like, I feel like I've been on like a almost 15 year creative run where I at least am happy with what I'm making. And so it feels like I'm due for a dry spell or something like that. I feel like mm. It's coming. It should be coming. <laughs> and so, so now for me, the answer to like not getting the yips as it were is to like <laughs> invite yips. young really smart filmmakers into my collaborative fold where I can offer them like Judd does for you, like all these an executive producer platform and they can make me feel inspired and new and right. And, and that's what Ramona four is all about. Like I specifically wrote seven of the episodes, but didn't direct any of them Mm. so that I could see what happens if I have this other person direct the material. And, Mm. and it was exciting for me because the truth is, um, I'm more experienced director than all of them um, and maybe um, a more experienced filmmaker overall, probably. Mm. But the willingness that they had to prepare that I don't have anymore Mm -hmm. um, and to see this as their shot and be grateful and the joy they brought to it for me Mm -hmm. not only made the episodes, I think, better than if I had directed them. At the very least different, probably better. But the soul bucket. Right. 
came way up. Less today, expenditure for me. Today, Mark, I said I was watching some of the episodes and they're so well directed. And it's always been kind of a topic. Like, does Pete want to direct? Does he yeah. really want to direct? And I was always like, well, maybe season three. Because season two, I, I felt like a little bit more Ram Drive. Yeah. It's like, maybe I could. Yeah. And just today, I was like, I watched a cut of somebody's episode and it was so good. And it brought exactly what you're saying. There was a vitality and a yeah. freshness and a will to prepare. And I was like, no. <laughs> You'll be, I, can't, I can't. No. And by the way, it's so great that you've come to that because I really have lately. Like in 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 therapy, I talk a lot about like we we like she's like my like life coach in some ways. It's turned into architecture of my life. Mm. We build mm. my life brick by brick together, mm. and I bring her. You know, okay, you've been seeing her a while. Uh, yeah, like two years. Um, mm-hmm. It's great. Oh my god, it's so good. Yeah, and um, and we don't talk about feelings that much. I'm kind of on that stuff, but it's like you know. I don't have enough time to do all these projects. I want to do these projects, but also be with my kids. And how do I get the hours? I mean, it's very organized. Huh. And one of the things I've cracked through is like of the four things I like to do as a professional, which are produce, write, act, and direct. I don't have time to do all of those things. So we really analyze like, what are you good at? And what do you like to do? And all those things. And, and what it's come down to for me, and you may be experiencing something similar is like, I am uh, a good director. Mostly because I'm a really good writer and a pretty good actor and a synthesis of skills. But I'm not a visual maven, and I'm replaceable there. So uh, I'm like, okay, exactly I can put that away. I thought I was like, oh, someone can do this better. I'll be good, but I can be beat. Okay, I'm going to put that away. As an, as an actor, I have some really special sauce and some special stuff to offer. But like, there are amazing actors out there, and I am quote-unquote replaceable. I'm just using that word for now. So I've been kind of putting that stuff... In a loving way. In a loving way. Putting that stuff away a little bit. Um, As a producer of something like Room 104 that is very specifically engineered to be cheap enough to have full creative freedom, to have the legs to be able to last, to be able to have all these friends in the industry who want to work with me and come do that, I'm irreplaceable. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I am the only person who can make this show the way it should the be made. found there, yeah. And so I'm like, bam, I'm going to hold on to that. Got it. Yeah. As a writer of like feature films, eh, pretty, pretty good. But I can be beat. Mm-hmm. Um, as someone who can write an episode of Room 104 in 30 minutes from my subconscious. That's you mean you can just flow. I can do it and it it can be shot and I have done it (laughs) Mm. like that Sam Shepard thing. Mm. I have that and I'm like, Oh, irreplaceable. Mm. That's it. So that's what I'm honing in on these days. I'm just like leaning into those things. And I feel so good. I talk about this all the time with my dad. Like we used to watch football together growing up and like, we would, you know, you watch the whole game and it's 20 to 18 and the team that's down, they've been driving, they get the ball on the 35 yard line and they cut to the kicker three seconds left and it's all on him. And I get this feeling in my gut where I'm so fearful for him and just so afraid that I would be him, mm, you know? Mm. Um, and we watch him walk on the field, just prancing carelessly. <laughs> and we would always look at him and just be like, how... Is this possible? And then, and like he once said something to me, I'm going to make him sound more eloquent than he really was. Um, but that was basically like, well, because I was like, when I go run a track meet, I feel terrible. I don't want the ball. I don't want the baton. You know, and he's like, when you get to that spot where you're like that kicker where you want the ball, mm. but when that clock is at that because you know you're the best, he's like, you're going to know you're in the right spot. Mm. And that for me right now is like, 
Might put me at that up. computer for Room 104. Nobody can beat me if there's 30 minutes to write a script. That's great. Put me in the put me at the lead of producing this show and like inviting young people, giving them love, supporting them and mentoring through that stuff. Like this is where I am meant to be. You're I, prancing. What do you say prancing onto the field? You're I'm prance kinda... I am prancing yeah. onto the field <laughs> carelessly because I'm just like I got this. I, this is what I do, you know? Yeah. And that's really cool that you recognize that. Not to say you won't direct someday and find right. yourself in that spot, but like... It's, it would have to be with star, something that I'm already... As a star writer, producer right. of this show, you're spent. How much do you need? Come on, dude. <laughs> you want to hold the boom pole? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's awesome. Oh, thanks, man. What about directing? What's a great lesson you've learned about directing? Um, it's pretty simple, but I, I do I do keep hearkening back on it, which is just like most directors spend ninety percent of their time setting up uh, the shots uh, and ten percent of their time acting, and you got to flip it. Mm. Um, so I'm willing to sacrifice visual acumen and some amazing stuff to keep my actors acting ninety percent of the time, ferreting out storylines, throwing things out, letting them do thirty takes, and trying everything we can do. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the only way I know how to make good art. It's very interesting. Very yeah. interesting to me, too. I know what you're talking about. I, I loved all our directors and, and have been directed by some incredible people now. Um, I was surprised at how much of it is, is the visual thing. Yeah. I kind of thought, I think most people think directing, do an impression of a director. If someone comes in and goes, okay, your motivation yep. here is that, you know what I mean? Uh, I, I've never heard the word motivation on a set. I, I do this weird <laughs> thing like I, you know, for the next season of uh, Room 104, like Doug Emmett is my DP and he manufactures and designs the look of the show and he's really in charge of that. And the kinds of directors, I'm hiring like theater directors and like mm. really smart actors who who are they just keep like telling your actors ob- to project obsessed project. Yeah, exactly. we can't hear project! you <laughs> who are just obsessed with performance and story yeah. i only i only want a director who's obsessed with performance and story and I let my dp handle the visuals and and that's kind of my new model these days and i love it that, but it's how i am as a director right what about emotion because something that i in all of your movies like i said earlier i think i said they stick the landing mm-hmm. and with an emotional punchline like jeff on the bridge yeah or togetherness whenever they came together. Mm-hmm. Like, I think you and I both love agreement. I uh, find it yeah. very moving. I find improv moving. Me too. <laughs> like, I'm not like, ha ha! I'm like, ha! Yeah. He, he listened. <laughs> like, I'm just like really blown yeah. away by that. Connection. Like Connection that really... and groups of people. So, uh, Emily Gordon did this podcast. We always talk about, we'll get to it, uh, religion. And she said, God to me is when somebody's hit by a car, but they're okay. They're like not dead. And a group of people come to help. Yeah. And I was like, <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? And you and listen to, get, to that over and over again to, at night. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Togetherness, like the episode where they're in the park and they're playing a game. Mm-hmm. Kickball. Kickball. Yeah. And they, and there's like, you don't see it coming. I, forgive me, I'm not remembering, but like sprinklers come mm-hmm. on and yep. and everybody's like banded together despite yeah. their differences. But something like that could be ham-handed. Yes. What is a great lesson you've learned about how to inject emotion or sentimentality? Because um, life is sentimental sometimes. Yeah. Like how do you um, do that? My my best lesson is to uh, is to show it to all of your smart friends and show it to them early and listen to them. Because a lot of the times, the things that you think are too much or too little, your barometer is just not right. Right. Um, so I'm a I'm a kind of an art by committee person, um, and I know it sounds terrible. Eyes. Yeah. But as long as you're committed, you're trusted friends. You know. That's and, how I feel, and, and we dial it. Sorry to know? keep mentioning Judd, but that's how that's one of the great privileges of working with him is that I can show it to him, and if he goes, it could be my favorite scene. In fact, we cut a scene that I was like, mm-hmm. "This is our 
This is our everything. Yeah. This is my opus. And he goes, it's a little long. I, if anyone else you're said like, it was a little long, I'd be like, yeah. well, you're wrong. Yeah. And you can ask my other producers for evidence of that. Like I say it lovingly, but I'm just like, I think you're wrong. Then Judd can come in and go, it's too long. And I go like, it's not yes, sir. I'm not yeah. scared. I'm like, just kind of like I respect. Let's respect. Yeah. We have a deep bench of, of good eyes. So that's great. That's very critical for me. Great advice. Yeah. Well, let's let's get to uh, God just just let's because. Do it. I mean, we could talk for a long time, but um, what do you think is the meaning of all this? Mm. What is, what is the yeah. what is the pulse behind the game? Yeah, how were you raised? You can take it. However yeah, no, you yeah, want. no. I was raised Catholic, but not that into it. I didn't rebel against it like crazy. But I was like, yeah, oh, this is fine. This is whatever. As you, you know? eat acid, uh, yeah. As I dropped acid. <laughs> Um, you know, my kids are, my, my youngest kid is like really interested in death, which is like fascinating to me and not really scared of it. Just kind of like curious about it, but also like wants us all to be together, um, and doesn't want death to separate us. Um, and I found myself unprepared to answer those questions and talking out of my ass. Mm. Um, see with that, I always go, sorry to interject Yeah, with you and Jay, I, I just catch myself. Maybe I just like magical thinking, but I go, "Oh, you and Jay were souls, and and you were friends before." And he said, "This time, let's be brothers." Yeah, like that's, I, that. That feels right to me. Does it? And yeah. then when you say, "My son, son, uh, daughter, daughter yeah. is obsessed with death, and she wants us all to be together," I go, "Oh, yeah, she probably was in a situation where she was separated yeah. from her family and died." <laughs> I, I tend to feel that way. too. Is that true? Yeah, I tend to feel that way. too. I know it's kind of weird, but no, I feel that way too. In, in various and sundry forms, is she a collection of spirits? Is she one spirit? I don't know. You know, mm. is she formed from that energy? I don't know. But what I what I found myself telling her, which is like a weird thing, kind of. But I, what I've told her because I want to offer her some comfort, but also some truth. And what I said was, I said, um, you know, so you don't have to worry about that. We're always going to be together. Because once you've loved someone, you stay inside of their hearts forever. Mm. Um, mm. And I do, I think I believe that, or I, and I desperately want to believe that. Mm -hmm. I, have a, I have an agenda in that I love my life so much right now. I just, I love my wife and my kids and my friends and my parents. And I want to know that after it's over, I will still be conscious enough and can see a form that feels enough like them to connect to it. I'm fine if it goes away because I'll probably not know anything more. But I deeply want to believe in that. Unfortunately, I don't. And like I don't, when you die, you mean? Yeah, when I die. I don't believe I'll be sentient when I'm dead. And I don't believe that I'm right. going to be like, I was once Mark Duplass. <laughs> and there's Katie. That's wonderful. I don't know? know why I'm drawn to this yes. pan and scan VHS. Yes, but Spice. I am loving it. <laughs> How did I know he was going to win at the end of Karate Kid? Yeah. How did I know? Well, that's. Uh, I was just reading that quote today. Ramdas, who I'm obsessed with, is a spiritual teacher. He wrote "Be Here Now." Jay is obsessed with Ramdas. Well, I am. You guys got to get together. I would love to have Jay on. Deeply obsessed with Ramdas, and I, I have this book called One Liners. It's just every page just has like one little quote of his. That's great. And one of them says, "Yeah, it's a, it's a great. It's a, I, I don't mean to be gross, but it's a good bathroom book. Yeah. It's just like <laughs> great. instead of looking at your phone, I consider it a victory yep. to not look at my phone and just look. And I because you can flip through it. I go, I'm only going to look at and contemplate one of these. Yeah, because they're they're condensed. It's enough. It's enough. Fucking, you know, I was reading about there used to be a tradition that for children that write something like 
hate is a lack of imagination on a piece of wood. The kid would carve mm. that wisdom into a piece of wood and carry it with them everywhere for a year. We don't do that in the current society. I know. Well, it's just more we write more, it more, in a more, marker more. and throw it away. Exactly. I and do you that forget every it. day. So if you put it on something heavy and it's, yeah. it's, it's actually burdensome to have it with you, you're not going to forget that's, that's that really hate nice. is a lack of imagination. I like the simplicity of that. My friend David Cloyd, who was with me in my musician life years ago, read Moby Dick over the course of two and a half years on the toilet ah. <laughs> and loved it. He's just like, I'm floating out to sea in this time. Yes. It feels right. I'll never read Moby Dick otherwise. <laughs> As a whale of a different kind yes. splashes yeah. beneath. Uh, that was a weird poop it. joke. Nailed Why it. do that? Whale poop. A whale I mean, of a different well, kind. It's a pod- such a wonderful podcast. It's and then a podcast that. And it should be funny. So. <laughs> well, jokes. we are in the comedy category, so yes. I had to make that joke. Do it. But um, it said, your soul's uniqueness survives death. Your personality does not. Mm. And I was like, and you know what I said? Good. I went, thank God. Thank God. <laughs> thank God. <laughs> I'm pretty much done with this yeah. already. I love it. I'm like you. Yeah. I couldn't love Val more. I couldn't love my life more. And uh, at a certain point, it, it's not about the ego going, I was Pete Holmes. Yeah. I think it's a... But are you open to the idea of regeneration? Or 100%. Does, I yeah. want to just live and have more fun. I want to be conscious and, and, and awake. Mm-hmm. You know, I, mm-hmm. I would be sad to feel like, okay, I just became like this general blob of peace that is essentially dew on a blade of grass, but <laughs> not with a, uh, awareness. Like that, uh, that would be a bit of a bummer for me. You know, like I want to have some more laughs and some beers and make some new friends and do That's some more so things. Funny. Well, there's you know? a, I think it's a, a Tibetan Buddhist idea that what you think of in the moment of your death mm. is what you, it's what you're clinging to and what your soul will be drawn back to. It's so like Ghostbusters. It is. Yeah. It really is. It's don't think of the don't Stay Puft. Don't think of the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. And they well, now you and I are going to become the Stay Puft Marshmallow We're going to remember man. each other when we die <laughs> and we're both oh going to be God. best friends. You Stay and Puff Jay need to make an eternal pact to think of something absurd that only That's you guys same. would be. Yeah. So you can be that again. You know, this, the, the hard part and the, uh, the truth of me and Jay is that we would say that and then we we would look each other in the eyes and we would say, no, our job now is to know that we actually need to think of things that are similar but different enough so that we can have our individualities. Is that right? Yeah. That's Next what time around. That's what we're trying to learn how to do now. Is yeah. that right? Yeah, that's that three-quarter soulmates thing I was telling you about. You know. Oh, you're working on that. We are. To yeah. keep the uh, healthy wedge Yeah. There. Well, there is a natural wedge because we're grown-ups with our own children and wives and we can't know everything about each other and sleep in the same beds together anymore. And it's hard to be X 100% soulmates. I don't know if you've ever experienced anything like that. Well, yeah, with my mother. With your mother. Yeah. And that's still, it's, I've done a lot of work to move on, but it's still very painful. And I get a lot of like, I'm only happy when you're here and that sort of stuff. And I, and I say what my therapist has to say, which is mom, that's a lot of pressure on. Yeah. (laughs) And that's right. But, but moms like, are not so good with that stuff, and it's a different generation. And it's true. But you, I feel we, – we talk about – there's a funny way to talk about it, but then there's also – there just is kind of a, in a reality, and I wonder if you feel this with Jay. You marry someone. I'm marrying Val. And I, it's, it's not gross or bitter or acrid, but I do see my mom being like, I thought it was going to be us. Yeah. You know what I mean? Not, I always have to say not sexual, but no. like we had each other. My, my brother and my dad had sports yep. with one another, and my mom and I had religion, and yeah. we had our own thing. Squid and the Whale. Did you see Squid and the Whale? Sure. Squid and the Whale. First yeah. line of Squid and the Whale, 
me and mom versus you and dad. That's the first line of that movie. And you're like, and I was like, oh, (laughs) (laughs) I will never be the same. (laughs) I couldn't handle it. You had a non-sexual romance with your brother. Oh, I mean, we were everything to each other except for the, yeah, for the sexual part. I mean, and um, particularly as a little brother, I find it harder to uh, figure out how to be anything other than that sometimes, you Mm. know, and to, and, and to to miss that at times and um, we would completely understand that life is different now. We can't, we can't be those things, know. you know, but isn't that tragic? It's tragic. You know, it is. it's really sad. And, and that's what I, I try. I'm trying to increase my compassion for my mother mm. and try and say things to her. Yeah. Like almost from a soul level and be like, mom, we have a special relationship yep. and it's, it's, it's sad that this is how life is. Yes. You know what I mean? But, yeah. This is how it is. Mothers leave sons. Brothers yeah. find wives. Sometimes it's never this simple, but sometimes it can be very helpful just to say the words. I actually wish that I could split myself in two yeah. and give the all of myself to you because when we were that, yeah. I was never happier and it was beautiful. And I'm ah, so bummed it's impossible. I can't believe I'm not weeping right now. Yeah, it's funny. I wrote a post-it note to myself called "Tips to Talking to Mom." Mm. And whenever she says, why, aren't, why don't you come home? Like, I'll go to New yeah. York. She lives in Boston. They live in oh, Boston. Oh, yeah. That's... Why don't you come home? And the answer is, I wish I could. Yeah. Oh, wouldn't that be great? 100%. <laughs> Not, I'm busy. Yeah. Mom, oh, that would be the best. Yeah. I wish I could. I th- and maybe, maybe I can one of these trips, but like, I'm, yeah. Uh, oh, wouldn't that be fun? And, and you, by the I, way, that's not untruthful. Right. And I literally just say, Oh, we could go to dinner. We could walk. Yep. That's all, that's all she wants to hear. Yeah. And then it's better than just facts. 90% better. Head stuff. Yes. Heart, heart says, wouldn't that be great? Yeah. Remember when it was just us? Yeah. You've helped me in that regard. <laughs> okay. that's, that's helpful. <laughs> um, but uh, so rege- open to regeneration, God. 100%. Really, really want to believe it. Um you know, uh, still every now and then when I get scared on a plane, we'll find myself praying because it's like a part of my rhythm, but right, like right. not not actively a, a part of my life. Um, and um, I meditate. Um, but TMs? Uh, no, I don't do TMs. I uh, just do the the little simple Headspace app. I love. I've heard a lot of people love that. It's great. And I I'm a notorious sleeper. Like I can fall asleep anywhere, anywhere. So like I heard that about Elijah Wood. I oh you yeah. in the wood. Me in the wood. We, uh, me and Elijah. Um, I um, Elijah's a friend. I just uh, I lay down with that meditation app, and one of two things happens: I get through the ten minute meditation, and it was successful, or I was not present enough to meditate well, and I fell asleep. Mm. So a Win-win. failed meditation is a nap, and it's ah. wonderful either way. So it's like failed surfing is swimming. Yes, you yes. can't lose. You can't lose. <laughs> Putting yourself in those win-win situations is also very good for your soul points. Everyone, good night. <laughs> Low forecast. Yes. Uh, Two good night. It doesn't feel like you want to get out of here, but I'm going to wrap us up um, and ask what your the hardest time you've ever laughed was if Mm. it's not the hardest today what you think of when i say a a time you laughed really hard as a kid last night 
mm-hmm. watching a movie. My wife and I were were given free tickets to see Jim Gaffigan, mm. um, and I was so excited. What if you were, were like, we couldn't make it, yes. and she farted in the <laughs> yes, car, yes. <laughs> and I was so excited to just like sit and, and like experience comedy and let it roll over me, you know. And I'd heard a lot about him, but I, I haven't seen much of his stuff. So mm. I was like, oh, this is great. And I sat in the seat. And I immediately had a letdown because I was like, either I'm not in the mood or this, he's not feeling it tonight. It's not, I'm not connecting mm. with the comedy. And I was like, and I'm going to be here for another hour and it's not going to be, and it, it was good. He was good. Right. I just wasn't like connecting with it. You it's know, like your meditation. And it was hard. And the guy behind me was, <laughs> uh, every time there was a punchline, he would scream out the last word of the punchline, no matter what it was, and laugh so hard. And his ability to enjoy it was crushing my <laughs> inability to enjoy it. And then at a certain point, I just looked at Katie, who started laughing every time that guy was doing it. And we got the giggles. <laughs> and it was like 30-minute fucking giggles. Would any, anything, uh, it started like I would have to lean in and whisper, and then we go. Then anytime anything, anybody moved or felt anything, the giggles would come. <laughs> and it was, it was literally like, I, I was like, I didn't realize how much tension I hold on my shoulders. Oh, my God. I didn't realize how. Yes clenched i am yes how much you need it just beat it out of me and it was wow and i it was the best best stand-up comedy show i've ever seen i wonder if i've ever looked into the crowd and saw two people having the best time (laughs) not because of you. yes i didn't know but they were laughing at some guy who kept going (laughs) was the guy who wrote and directed jeff lives at home i would say (laughs) you were directly responsible for that no matter what (laughs) you were responsible for their 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 laughter and that's enough. Uh, it is enough. Yeah. Ah, so much wisdom. This is fun. Did you you feel good? I feel great. This is awesome. You're awesome. <laughs> Thanks, man. You're, You're awesome. the most fun podcast I've ever done. I really we appreciate talked for two you hours. Are you kidding me? We did. Yeah, we did, and uh, we gotta. I mean, maybe we'll do it again sometime after other things and check in in a couple that years. Great. <laughs> for those of you who are wondering, Katie has slightly wavy brown hair. She has fair skin, some freckles, and yeah. uh, she's about uh, five foot seven. She's and a real pleasure to be around. <laughs> um, I didn't mean to make this about planning the next one. That, that flies in the face of all the present talk. <laughs> <laughs> like, we should do this again. Well, that makes me feel better. Um, I'm starting to worry that you're too good at being in the present. <laughs> <laughs> it's a Ramdas thing. He used to guide people through LSD trips. And then at the end, they'd be like, what are you doing tomorrow? And he was just like, he would there's slap just the shit out of him. <laughs> he would get frustrated that there's just not enough time. It's yeah. like, what do you, we just had that. Yeah. He didn't say it like that, but he was like, we just had that. Why are you trying to plan? Yeah. Can't we just, anyway, the guest says the catchphrase at the end and the, uh, the catchphrase is keep it crispy. And it just means, uh, keep your soul points up. Okay. <laughs> That's your motivation. Keep it crispy. Yeah, I felt it. <laughs> Thank you, Mark. I've seen my shoes, I'm so crispy. I'm so crispy. My ice game make you always want to give me. I'm so crispy. I'm so crispy. Now leaving Nerdist.com. 